Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest hap- all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So, today we are going to do a recap of Week 3 of the NFL and do a preview of Week 4. And man, we're already... Uh, 25 almost 25 percent of the way through the mm-hmm. NFL season, so definitely yeah. things yep. are moving pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And but still, the drama, the masala, we are here for it. Yes, sir. This is why yes, we sir. bring you this is why we bring you the gentle listeners to this podcast for those that want a little bit of flavor, Daisy style. Mm-hmm. So Speaking of some masala, something that happened over this weekend, I don't know if uh, if you guys didn't know about this, either you don't follow the NFL like football world, or you don't follow international pop culture music world, and you've been basically living under a rock at this point, or you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, is Taylor Swift. She has officially made an appearance uh, in the Chiefs versus Bears game in Kansas City. Travis Kelsey shot his shot by saying, you know, hey, I've I've seen you rock your stage. Why don't you come see me rock mine? He had mentioned something along the lines of that uh, on his podcast, and she did. So it's official. They're dating, even though some people do not want to choose to that, but she was in the same area she was in the same box as his mother so if that is not an indication i don't know what else and to add uh more insult to injury to those taylor swift haters out there travis kelsey's jersey sales spike nearly 400 percent because of taylor swift it is literally the Swifties in action. Huh. Interesting. They have arrived. But, do, but, do, but does Travis Kelsey really know that she's an Eagles fan? Probably because his brother Jason Kelsey is on the Eagles. So I'm sure they would have discussed this at some point. They, they would have discussed it at their episode of New Heights. But even with all of that, the only Kelsey and Swift that I know are the ones with the Eagles. That is Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift. That's the only thing I care about. And to be honest, like it's really good to see Travis Kelsey and, um, and, and Taylor Swift. It's going to be fun for sure, but I'm going to say, give it a couple of months and you probably know Taylor Swift is going to write a song about that. She's done it with all her exes. It's probably going to happen pretty soon, but it'll be pretty funny for sure. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But uh, another fun fact about this, uh, the Swift effect. Um, Fox Sports announced Thursday that the game drew 24.3 million viewers, making it the weekend's most viewed NFL contest. Mm -hmm. And the rating showed significant improvement in one demographic. Females aged uh, 12 through 17, and it grew nearly 8% from last year's uh, numbers. Yeah. Oh, and and apparently, guess what? 
Taylor Swift is expected to attend the Chiefs Jets game on Sunday Night Football at MetLife. So wonderful. Okay. 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 Well, that's official then. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna give. I was like, okay, it's fine, but I'm gonna give it a couple of months. And if they expect longer, then I'll be proven wrong. But whatever. <laughs> okay. I see. I see. You've been hurt significantly. I, 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 the thing is, I have. A, like everyone else, I have a I still have a crush on Taylor Swift. She's amazing. Go. There she's you go. Beautiful and all that. And she's a damn Eagles fan. She's an Eagles fan. You don't associate with the enemy, especially the one that beat you in the Super Bowl. I'm joking. Oh. I'm salty as hell for that Super Bowl, man. <laughs> yeah, not much. Yeah, you, you want to know why that. I'm so salty of that Super Bowl? Jonathan you know? Gannon. And I'm going to speak about him pretty soon. But you moving will, on. You will. Moving now, on. before you do speak about that, you have some Damakadar news you want to share? Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Before I talk about I think Jonathan Gannon will be in the later mind. But I'm actually not going to raise hell on him. I'm actually going to praise him. Isn't okay. that a shock? That so, is a shock. So I think that's breaking the Makedar news within NFL Masala. I'm saying something good about Jonathan Gannon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but anyways, the um, September 26th, yesterday, um, the New York Jets has signed veteran free agent Trevor Simeon into their to their practice squad. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he was released by the Bengals in the preseason, and he joins the elite, I repeat, elite, quarterback room of the new york jets that includes a stud in zach wilson and tim Boyle. you mean zachariah milson oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and wilson is expected to start sunday night against the cheese well said. you know you know this was supposed to be the third or fourth aaron Rodgers versus patrick mahomes game none of them have been achieved. Yeah. None. I'm and salty about that. I okay, but also, but there's but during the during the midst of the Trevor Simeon thing, there was a recent rumor that I that there was um something that was actually true on Thursday, September 21st. Um, former San Francisco QB Colin Kaepernick, whom we also know so well. Um, he sent a letter to Joe Douglas, um, Jets general manager, um, considering him to sign to sign him into the practice squad. Um, he says that, um, and apparently, this is according to the rapper Jay Cole. And Colin Kaepernick has stated out that he has worked for NFL teams, but he last played in 2016 because of the racial inequality during the national anthem. I'm not going to get into any politics on that um, on that side, but it, it it's desperation. The Jets are coming because are trying to are trying desperate to like rem remedify the situation because Aaron Rodgers is gone b for because of uh, of an Achilles tear and Trevor Simeon he's 13 for 17 42 touchdowns 20 interceptions he has not won a start since 2017 and you know what good luck good luck to whoever's being quarterback for the Jets because you know what I'm gonna say Anyone that's a, that has any cheese thing, put them in your lineups for fantasy. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think, yeah, the Chiefs are going to win. 
uh, handily. But I think it's still going to be a, a tough battle because the Jets' defense is not something to look shy on, you know? So, yeah. Um, yep. All right. So, after that bit of the mock of their news, I have some injury update on Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Oh, he no. is considered day-to-day as he tries to get back from the ankle injury on last Monday night's matchup against the Seahawks. Not this week, but week the week prior. And so he missed the Thursday night game against the 49ers where the Giants got butt whooped 30 to 12 or 30 to 10, excuse me. Um, so yeah, he is in the day-to-day category. So hopefully he gets better. Um, apparently there's like some confusion between which type of ankle sprain he had, whether it was a high ankle or low ankle. Uh, the rumor mill had started out saying that it was a low ankle and then it was established that he had a high ankle sprain on, on the Amazon broadcast on the Thursday night game. So, um, he has made significant progress and that's good. So maybe he can, um, you know try and come in after like the next uh, probably the next two weeks but it is a pretty significant injury for running back uh, especially for Saquon who's had multiple run uh, issues uh, with his ankles so that is that what about you Duckshuck and with that we have another injury update it's Again, the injury, the, the 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 football gods are demanding more sacrifices. Unfortunately, um, I don't want. I I just hate injuries in general. Um, and this one is with the the LA Chargers. Um, and unfortunately, it was um the one game Mike uh, uh, Chargers against the Vikings. Um, we'll give a recap pretty soon, but um, it was shadow. It was foreshadowed with uh, Mike Williams. He suffered a season-ending ACL tear. In Sundays, uh, in that win, and they do not have, um, and it really, really sucks to see Mike Williams because he is, I mean, he's one of the other, one of the part of a good tandem a set of wide receiver trios along with Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, and Josh Palmer. And Mike Williams had, I mean, he did score, um, against that game, and I mean, against the against the Vikings side game. He had eight targets, 121 yards, and one touchdown. Um, it's very unfortunate to see that, but which means that we get to see um, we get to see the first round pick the LA Chargers selected, wide receiver Quentin, Quentin Johnston from TCU. And originally, their coach Brandon Staley said that they would bring in Johnston along slowly, and that's been held true. But now with Mike Williams being out, Johnston will have to come in. Remember, he has had, um, as part of TCU in his junior season, he was one of the best wide college football's best wide receivers, but not better than Marvin Harrison in my point of view. Um, Quentin Johnston, he had 1,069 um, receiving yards, six touchdowns, and that led TCU into the national championship game. He's six foot three, 208 pounds. He's good for his ability after to the catch and a weapon to score the ball whenever he touches it. But it's going to be, um, it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that goes. And um, I mean, Mike Williams, wish you nothing but a speedy recovery. And Quinn Johnson, best of luck. Just hope the Chargers don't charger it. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so a tough loss for the Chargers. I mean, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are two of the main reasons, along with Kellen Moore, as to why just uh, Justin Herbert is seventh in terms of EPA per drawback, uh, drop back in all QBs and number one in completion percentage over expected. So, yeah, it's a tough loss for them. And like you mentioned, hopefully Quentin Johnson can take uh, his place. So that's it from us in terms of the Damakedar news segment. And now we're going to go on to the recap of our week three games. Oh, boy. I have a lot to say about that, about the recap. Same here. I have a lot to say, especially with what's been happening so far. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And I have, uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit and go a little bit past uh, our set timer here. Um, and I'm going to take a little bit of time time away from our Masala game of the week because, as you guys know, it was the Chiefs versus the Bears. Not much to say against that one. Yeah. This game, however, yeah. The Packers versus Saints. The what is, story, what yeah. So here, here's how it went. The story of this game was do not go out into that good night, rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. The famous poem that mentions, you know, do not quit, do not give up, fight until your last breath. And that that's exactly what the Packers did. They were down 17-0 at the start of the fourth quarter. And what a fantastic comeback win. Jordan Love's first fourth quarter comeback win in four starts. And he ties the largest comeback victory in Packers history with Aaron Rodgers. Let's freaking go. 17-point comeback. This is his fourth NFL start. Fourth NFL start and first home game. People don't realize this is Jordan Love's first home game. I mean, it's uh, starting with the first three quarters. First, before we move on to how awesome this was to watch in the fourth quarter, we need to describe why it was such a pain for us Packers fans in the first three quarters, right? It was because it was absolute child's play. It looked like we were watching a high school football team completely unprepared on the field there. Because, and because we have the second youngest average team in the entire league, Right. So because of all these factors, we had a ton of penalties, 11 total penalties on the entire uh, during the entire game, five on the offense in the first half. Almost all of them were really pre-stamp penalties. They were false starts, illegal motions. Right. Um, and then some of them were offensive holdings as well. Those were the biggest chunks. So five on the offense in the first half. Some of them pre-snap, and some of them really egregious holding penalties. And that really just set us back on so many of our drives in the first three quarters. Along with a ton of miscues, you have that botched pass back to Jordan Love from Emmanuel Wilson on fourth and two around the midfield area. On our first drive, you had several wrong routes that were ran by the receivers, a lot of drops by the receivers. You have uh, allowing that punt return for a touchdown by Rashid, uh, Shahid, Rashid Shahid. 
You have Jordan Love airmailing throws, and especially that one that was just an arm punt that became the first interception for Jordan Love in his career or uh, this year. So he has seven touchdowns to one interception so far. Um, and just the entire offense just miscommunicating with coaches and with each other. So it's like everything that could go wrong for a young team, inexperienced team, was just going wrong. A lot of penalties. Now, mind you, this was because we were without our starting left tackle, David Bakhtiari. When he's healthy, he's an all-pro. Probably a top five, definitely a top five left tackle. Left guard, Elton Jenkins, another Pro Bowl player. Top five left guard if he's healthy. He wasn't healthy. We were missing Aaron Jones, our main offensive weapon. We were missing um, Jair Alexander, our number one cornerback, who was literally in practice on Friday with a back issue. We were also missing Christian Watson, a very up-and-coming and explosive wide receiver. So we have our five best players on the entire team missing. So and four of them are on offense. So really just, just a lot of miscommunication, a lot of things that could go wrong, went wrong, you know, kind of like Murphy's Law, right? Whatever happened or whatever can happen will happen. So whatever went uh, can go wrong would go wrong for us. Now, speaking of which, the offense was not doing well, but the defense was. They were hanging in there. So I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to our Green Bay Packers defense right, for keeping us in the game with four drives for the Saints offense, only netting them 10 points. Right Now, obviously, they had that punt return touchdown, which was why they were at 17 for, uh, to nothing. But our we were generating a lot of pressure to prevent the Saints from scoring more points, right? It easily could have been 35 nothing, right? But it wasn't. So we were generating a ton of pressures by the D-line. Please, please, for the love of God, protect Kenny Clark at all costs, all right? He's the, he's the main dude who's been on fire this entire season. Please protect him, right? Speaking of the 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 Saints' uh, offensive success, like Derek Carr's numbers was suggesting that he was doing well, like thirteen of eighteen for like hundred and eight yards, but it was mostly just small dink and dunks here and there with one or two chunk plays to Chris Olave, as I mentioned the in the preview, he was pretty explosive this past uh, in this game, but um, this was all during the first three quarters. We still maintained a pretty decent tight grip on the Saints offense, right? Then the fourth quarter came and the Packers started to feel the love. The first dr Packers drive on uh, in the fourth quarter, right? Love starts the comeback with driving the ball down the field. One minute, 50 seconds, seven plays, 46 yards. But two good pass breakups from Alante Taylor just nets us a field goal, right? So now we're down 14 points. Still seems like it's 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 a pretty un you know unwinnable game. However, the defense it gets a stop and Rashawn Gary sack attack. All right. Then the next offensive drive we start at the 20. We have two DPIs that net us 67 of the 80 touch uh, 80 yards required for a touchdown. And then after a couple of completions, with one of them being on a third and 10 throw where Jordan Love had a beautiful side arm 
sidearm angled strike to Jaden Reed over the middle for the first down comes a fourth and goal from the one yard line. Here's the pivotal piece, right? Lafleur calls up it? a Lafleur calls up a QB read option play out of eleven personnel with three receivers wide to the left of Jordan Love, and uh, one of them being to the right. The Saints show cover zero man coverage. Uh, there's only one uh, one defender in the um, sorry one defender in the in, in, in that's not blocking right the one defender in coverage. Um, the ball is snapped. Jordan Love fakes the handoff. Musgrave kicks out of his inline tight end blocking position and blocks the incoming corner. Now all the defenders are blocked except for one which was Demario Davis at, because he was the robber, which was a middle linebacker position who's like typically five yards off the line of scrimmage. And this was, he was in the end zone, middle of the end zone. And he has to tackle Jordan Love. But Jordan Love fakes him out with a move because he is that athletic, dives into the end zone with a touchdown. But we are not yet done, folks. Apparently, an assistant coach, courtesy of uh, Matt Schneidman of The Athletic, persuaded Coach LaFleur into going for the two-point conversion. And huh. so, we line up for that two-point con conversion in a two-by-one set in 11 personnel with Reed and Romeo on the right and Ture on the left, uh, Patrick Taylor in the backfield, and then Jaden Reed motions in right from the right the ball is then snapped Jaden Reed motions out for what looks like to be a quick uh, uh throw to the flat for Jaden Reed for the touchdown but because the Saints were just rushing four they had seven in coverage so everybody is covered the play breaks down Jordan Love recognizes that everybody's in cover so he moves up into the pocket and then he slides to the right and he throws off platform and across the body to a wide open Samari Toure in the end zone. Conversion is successful. And now we're just down by six. The comeback is on. And then the defense gets another stop. The next drive, we also start at the 20. And then we get to the 31. Then comes a first and 10 play that I love. Love is in the shotgun formation, and he snaps the ball. There are two vertical routes that are going uh, towards in the middle, and then two out routes, and then a running back route, uh, typically in, in like the little, a small hitch in the middle of the field. And then they're all blocked. So he has pressure in his face from number 93, who's uh, Nathan Shepard, uh, an edge defender for the, uh, for the Saints. He evades Nathan Shepard, and then there's nothing but empty space in front of him for the first down. So Jordan Love runs. He tiptoes down the sideline, right? He he see, uh, he he runs. He gets the first down. He tiptoes down the sideline, escaping a corner's clutches, and he gets 12 more yards than what he would have been uh, escaping that corner. So at the end, he got 24 yards on that entire rush. And then one play later on second and 10, 
They run a three-by-two empty formation set, so three receivers on one side, two receivers on the other, and he hits Jaden Reed on a beautiful hole shot. So basically, Jaden Reed is running slightly vertical at an angle, right? Um, and then it's kind of like there, there's a corner that's trailing Jaden Reed, and then there's a safety coming uh, sort of like above him. So there's really just one hole that Jordan Love has to fit the ball through, and he rifles it in that perfect position. Jordan Love, uh, Jaden Reed makes a great adjustment, has a diving catch, getting some separation with a slight extension on the arm uh, of the CB, of the cornerback, and then he makes that diving catch. Beautiful catch for at least 15, 20 yards. And then a couple plays later, it's third and three from the New Orleans eight, and Jordan Love tosses a perfect, perfect back shoulder fade a la Aaron Rodgers and Devontae to Romeo for the touchdown. And now we are up by one. But the drama has not finished. Because why? Joe Barry in crunch time with a lead. We have a one-point lead. It is 18 to 17. And here He's it comes. off coverage. Right. So the defense is actually playing pretty decent, but a perfect ball from Jameis Winston to Chris Olave, who makes a great adjustment for the 28-yard catch, gets, and then a couple plays later, it gets them into field goal range. The rookie kicker for the Saints lines up for a makeable 46-yarder. At this point, we're all thinking, okay, there's one minute left. There's like one minute and 10 seconds left. But once the kick goes through and then, you know, once the kickoff happens, you're basically going to have one, one minute left. We also have one timeout left. Love can do this. But he didn't have to do anything because the kicker missed it. It went wide right. Love kneels, ends the game, and then flexes on that Green Bay crowd. Nice. I mean, that was, this was a game to remember for the ages for Packers fans, especially for Jordan Love. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, after the game, was, you know, heaping praise on Jordan Love, congratulating him with texts and, you know, letting him know, hey, what a fantastic job, right? So now, for a little bit of analysis and a little bit of criticism, the fourth quarter not with, notwithstanding, the Packers have a lot of things to fix. Penalties, especially on the offense with pre-snaps, right? False starts, illegal uh, formation, all that stuff. And then once the ball snapped, offensive holding, right? They have got to decrease. It's, yes, it's a very young team. We were down our starting left tackle, starting left guard. And a credit to Brian Gutekunst for building up this offensive line because we have three starting left tackles who can also play the guard position and can play right tackle for the most part. Like, which GM in the, like, this is a luxury. People don't understand this, but you look at a team like the Jets or the Giants who consistently miss on building a good offensive line, a deep offensive line. Then you have teams like the Eagles and the Packers and the Lions who do it right. What do we always say, Rakshak? Build through the trenches. Build through the trenches. Yep. So 
Exactly. So we had Zach Tom and Yash Nyman coming in as left tackle. Zach Tom mostly. And then we had, um, I believe, Royce Newman coming in as left guard. And he was pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, credit to Brian Gutekunst for building up this offensive line. Credit for the Packers offensive line coaching staff for coaching this offensive lineup. Because these guys aren't like first round, second round picks. Zach Tom was a seventh round pick, right? Um, and then you have Rashid Walker, who's also a seventh round pick. You have Royce Newman, who I think was like fifth or sixth, or like un uh, undrafted. The, basically, the only first or second or third round pick would be, you know, uh, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers. That's it. That's our starting center and, and, and starting left guard. All other positions are all late round picks or undrafted. So, Hats off for our scouting team, for our coaching staff, and Brian Gutekunst and getting the right players and building up this offensive line so that Love has the ability to be this good as a young QB, rookie QB almost. Now, speaking of Love, he has to get a little bit more consistent with his deep ball. Sometimes he can get his touch just right, especially, you know, that, you know, uh, there was a there was a deep ball that was thrown. Uh, that was a, a, a teardrop places it perfectly into a bucket uh, in this past game. That wasn't really talked about, but I really loved it. But that's only sometimes. Most of the times, he just airmails it by four or five yards, like we saw a couple of uh, plays, especially to Luke Musgrave. There was one play right down the middle, a nice easy steam shot, right. For 20, 25 yards, and he just airmails it by four or five yards. Then you have the air, uh, arm punt that he threw that interception on. That was also, you know, not good. Then he had a touchdown throw that he easily could have, if he had placed it four or five yards deeper, the receiver could have made some more adjustments and actually gotten it for a deep, deep 50, 60 yard touchdown bomb, but he missed it, right? Or he underthrows it off platform. So, he has to improve his rhythm a little bit and make it much more consistent. So that's something that he can work on. And really, that can be worked on throughout the season. The biggest thing is um, players need to be on the same page. Now, an example of this was Patrick Wilson on fourth and two in the red zone, still down by 17, but we try and go for it. But he runs the wrong route, not expecting the ball, has clear space because the cornerback is six to seven yards away from him, right? Love correctly sees that that matchup and targets it, but he is expecting uh, Patrick Taylor to be somewhere where Patrick Taylor wasn't because Patrick Taylor should have, it was like a three, four yard hitch because he was outside. The cornerback was six, seven yards away. He easily could have gotten past the first line, uh, first yard, uh, the um, first down marker, Right, and then just cotton ball, which is where Love threw it, but he didn't because he was in the wrong position and he did not expect the ball to come to him. So we had a turnover on downs in the red zone. Stuff like this has got to be better. And this leads to play execution overall, right? Clear example was that first drive, we go on another fourth and two, right? A good job going for it because I love the aggressiveness. I would have done the same. Like, obviously, I'm not a head coach, so. Yes, but a lot of people would have done the same thing at that position. The play call was also good too. It was a trick play because even though some people, you know, will say uh, it wasn't really that good because it was too tricksy, 
you know, the Saints would have probably prepared. Like Dennis Allen is not a scrub defensive coordinator. He probably would have prepared for, uh, you know, fourth and short defensive preparations against the Packers, who go for it a lot. Right? If you look at team tendencies, um, in terms of going for it, we are the third most likely team to go for it on fourth down. 28.5% of the time. Tied with the Lions, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then for two-point conversion, we expect to go 10% of the time, tied for 15th. So, really, like, they would have probably prepared for those type of situations. So, they would have uh, prepared for, you know, a zone run or short pass concept that was, you know, you know, like uh, like it was in the beginning of the play. But, you know, Matt LaFleur calls a great trick play. Uh, Emmanuel Wilson... Right. So basically what it was is they were in a typical, uh, you know, shotgun formation and it looks like it's a screen pass or sorry, it's a toss. It's a run toss to Emmanuel Wilson to the right side. But, uh, you know, Jordan Love and uh, one other receiver, Dontavion Wicks, is to the left side. Emmanuel Wilson gets it, gets in a position to throw it back, but he has like some pressure in his face. So he underthrows the ball. Jordan Love has to pick it up, you know, off balance and prevent it from being a fumble, right? Because it it was thrown behind the behind the receiver as well, behind Emmanuel Wilson. So, and then the defender was right in his face. Uh, but Dontavion Wicks is wide open, 10, 12 yards down the field. So Love sees that. He tries to throw it, but he almost does the split because of, of the slippery portion of the field and ends up just airmailing it out of bounds. Like, that type of situation. If it was a good pass from Emmanuel Wilson back to Jordan Love, that would have been an easy first down. Big chunk play gain there, and it would have been a whole different conversation. We probably would have gone down, scored a field goal, maybe a touchdown. Who knows? Right? But those type of things really started the play ex- play execution from failing. And then the last thing, which is actually very surprising, has been our running back usage. And it's been very surprising because of the regression of A.J. Dillon, the quad father, the quadzilla. He's he's drastically reduced his previously good vision, his cut-making ability, some of his pass-walking reps and catching and basically everything that made him great last year. And in some uh, statistics, we had to use Patrick Taylor almost exclusively in goal line, third downs, and two-minute drill situations. That's not what we expect from a second-round draft pick from A.J. Dillon of, of his caliber, right? We are expecting him to be that back, to be the goal line back, to be the third down back, third and fourth and short down backs, right? Two-minute drill situations. We need him to be that, but he's not. We're using Patrick Taylor. So, I don't know what's wrong with AJ Dillon this year, but he has not looked good. He's so you know, do I just so do I drop him from my fantasy then for the time being? I, for the time being, yes, I would. Okay, I would. There are other running backs out there. I've seen Devon uh, a chain, a chain, however he pronounces it. I'm oh, sorry. Well, okay, we got to talk about a chain, man. <clears throat> yeah, so we'll talk about him in a little bit, but he's there on waiver wires in some leagues. So. Really, it's you know, it's it's very sad because we were expecting AJ Dillon to be you know the the replacement for Aaron Jones when it time 
when it came to be that time. But unfortunately, he hasn't looked like his old self from last year. Now, that's the end from our criticism. I want to give some props to some players. Number one, Rashawn Gary. Pay this man. Here's a hot take. He had a more impactful game than Jalen Carter. What? And he is severely underrated. Here's why. Wait, Rashad Gary, what, wait, what was he drafted? Let me let me explain why. This game, this game, I'm saying he had you a more impactful game. some blasphemous stuff, so you better back the hell up on this one. Okay. You better give me some backup on that. <laughs> okay, okay. He only played on 38% of all defensive snaps. Okay. And? 22. <laughs> Give me a second. I need to drink some water. Ladies and gentlemen, Anant is getting some water because he's afraid of what Jalen Carter is going to do to his boy Rashawn Gary unless he backs it up. <laughs> all right. Three solo tackles. Mm -hmm. Three tackles for a loss. Four QB hits and three sacks on just 22 defensive snaps. So out of 22 defensive snaps, he had 13, 13 of them that were impactful plays. That's almost 60% of his plays was an impactful play. I'm not saying Jalen Carter didn't have a fantastic game. He's a beast. He's a beast. But this game, Rashawn Gary had more of an impact on this game because he was the one who got Derek Carr injured with an AC sprain and that forced Jameis Winston to come in. Oh, we're playing the injury card now on this one. I, I but other than that, like I will give Rashawn Gary his props because like the thing is, here's the thing. Rashawn Gary, I looked this up before while you were getting water. He was drafted in 2019 second or first or second round pick and he's been playing at a greater level. Jalen Carter has been seeing less snaps because of that rotation the Eagles defensive line has. So you do have a point on that. But even with limited snaps, Jalen Carter is making QB's lives a living absolute hell. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. This is so has Rashawn Gary. Yeah, so but Rashawn Gary has had more snaps than Jalen Carter, and that's I'm not talking okay. about last year, dude. I'm talking about just this game. And even this game, too. Yeah, Rashawn Gary's had more snaps. I see that. He had uh, so Jalen Carter had less than 22 snaps. I mean, like so far in so far in three games, Rashawn Gary has had more snaps, and that's I am for not itself. talking about previous games, dude. I'm just talking about this game. Okay. Just okay. against the Saints and then Jalen Carter against the Bucks. I'm not saying Jalen Carter can become a better player than Rashawn Gary because of the amount of talent that Jalen Carter has. But Jalen Carter uh, in this past game has been talked insanely. Rashawn Gary has not gotten his due. And Rashawn Gary, by the way, is coming off of a season ending injury last year okay i'm impressed with that that's okay. that's all i'm saying i'm not saying jalen carter's a you know scrub he's not he is he can possibly become the best interior defensive tackle this year and i'm not saying this with the, with the joke i'm saying this seriously he can become 
the best interior defensive tackle this year. He is that talented. But like you said, obviously he is uh, wrote uh, he he is very crowded in that D line room or with that with that rotation. But with his limited access, he's still making a hell of an impact. And I'm saying same thing for Rashawn Gary because he's coming off of an injury. He's been placed on a snap count. He only played 38% of all defensive snaps. So that means on all the other snaps, it's it's all of our other pass rushers like Preston Smith, like Kingsley Anikbar, like Lucas Van Ness. But for John Gary, whenever he was playing, he was immediately making an impact. 60% of the time, he was making an impact, whether it was in the run game with the TFLs or in the pass game with the seven, you know, uh, likely pressures, like four QB hits, three sacks, and some more pressures that I, I didn't take into account of. So that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm, I, he just had a little bit more of an impactful game this past game than Jalen Carter did against the Bucks. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. All right. So now the second game ball goes to Jordan Love because of his leadership, rallying the troops for the win, his cool, calm demeanor in the face of adversity, his poise in the pocket, the great arm talent that he has. He can throw in all sorts of angles, sidearm, you know, off platform, whatever it may be, he's got it. His mobility, decision making, he basically has all the intangibles to make him the next great Packers QB. He just has to improve on his touch and consistency a little bit more. And the last but not least, freaking Alante Taylor for the Saints, man. What a Brilliant defensive performance for the second-year, second-round cornerback. He's 6'1", 200 pounds, so he's a big, tall corner with really good physical traits, and he was a lockdown corner this game. Five pass breakups, five solo tackles, two TFLs, one QB hit, and one sack as the second-round cornerback, who's second behind Marshawn Lattimore, in this same secondary. Holy crap. Exactly. He was everywhere in this game. So really want to give a shout out to Alante Taylor <clears throat> and um and that same secondary. And I believe they uh like this past week, three I think the top three cornerbacks with the most pass breakups this past week were all Saints players. So they're, they're an underrated defense. They are very it. underrated, stingy pass defense. And the fact that Jordan Love had 18 points uh, straight. Now, one thing that was very surprising because of this, um, the Saints did not run the football in the second half. If you huh. look, yeah, if you look at the play-by-play -play in the second half, most of their uh, plays were just passes especially after Derek Carr went out and that is the surprising part because you know I thought that they would have run for a lot of it but they didn't um and even if they did ran it was for small really small gains which our defense really buckled down so anyways the conclusion of this game for me NFC North meet your overlord for the next 10 fucking years Jordan Love.
<laughs> Lovely. Done. Now on to your Eagles versus Bucks. Okay. I'm also going to turn off the timer for this one. I, I have a lot of things to get on my chest, but the first one is how about those motherfucking Eagles? Let's fucking go. I'm talking to you all, even from the NFC and AFC. Every one of us that said, oh, we're going to regress. Guess what? We're just showing up. We haven't even played our best football, and we're still pulling out this shit. We beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 25 to 11. We basically dominated the entire game top to bottom. It was not clean. But guess what? You want to know the two things that that really counted for the Eagles? Anand, you want to know what those are? You want Go to know ahead. What Go are? ahead. The run game and the freaking defense. And this offense was dominating the entire run game. We put up 472 yards of offense against this Bucks defense. This was supposed to be all wanted. 472 yards. We made Vita Vea look like a freaking ghost because we kept on running it through him. And of course, we still have work to work on the play calling and the passing game. And with this, you want to know how many yards DeAndre Swift run, run, run for? Mm -hmm. He ran, he had 16 carries, 130 yards. And Ooh. and get and it, this was over a Bucks defense that was limiting, that was supposed to be like top five, top six against the run, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what? You know what he did during that game? And this is a spoiler award. This is my masala moment of the of the week right here. Did you see him leap over um like a grown bucks man? Did you see him oh, yeah. leap over that on that 25 oh, yeah. yard rushing game? And he's still burning that defense. The Eagles run game rushed for 201 yards. Wow. 201 yards. You want to talk about that Bucks defense? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you were missing Carlton Davis. I know you were banged up and injured, but but I was very feared about those linebackers. Guess what? Our running back turned into jack shit, as far as I'm concerned. This is the Eagles in me talking right now. All all filters are removed. Anand, be ready for this now. <laughs> Go ahead. And with this, Jalen Hurts. I gotta talk to you. I gotta talk about Jalen Hurts, and you gotta help me out on this one, man. I thought this was a – it was okay, but it could have been better. I mean, I did see some inconsistencies with throwing the ball. Um, I thought Bleeding Green Nation, like writers like Brandon Lee Gowden and Philly Voice Arter, um, player, like um, podcaster and writer Jimmy Kemsky, shout out to both of them. They were um, – we were a bit concerned with the way Jalen Hurst has been balling out. Um I mean, 23 for 37, 277 yards of passing, which is good because that's what you're supposed to do against a Bucks secondary that's been shaky. One touchdown, two interceptions. But you're throwing three picks in three consecutive games. It's not a good look in my point of view. I mean, like, yeah, three picks in three games. The first game, Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball. Second game against the Vikings, Jalen Hurts threw a bad pick. Third game, this game, two picks. One pick, it was on a it, it was it, it was um in the second quarter. Jalen Hurts, he is about to he's trying to throw it to DeAndre Swift, but I believe when you have to let DeAndre Swift run the route and you threw it behind him, you're seeing Devin White come in and grab it for an interception. That was a bad pick, but luckily our defense held off on that. The second pick, 
is um you saw that is so after third and two in the third quarter we we got it through it with a tush push or the brother or we're gonna call it the brotherly shove not the tush push you know what mm -hmm. i'm referring to mm -hmm. but you throw a deep ball to Devonte smith and it gets intercepted by um delaney or antoine winfield jr i would say this was jalen hurts's fault i think but Devonte smith should be the one to like easily come towards the ball and grab it i thought that was a good uh, area to take into it mm -hmm. but luckily we were able to get away luckily but i mean like you gotta make you gotta follow up with that play smith and it was a great look by the defense to hold off on that and but i have to and you know what aj brown if he's not getting any temp like any throwing any temper tantrums last week um last week against the vikings because he didn't get any targets i mean he had nine catches for four out of 14 targets 131 yards but he missed two touchdown potential touchdown catches i mean just hold on to the ball my man and another big and the, the thing is like even though you put in 472 yards, you're leaving points on the board in four on four red zone trips. Dude, one touchdown in four red zone trips is not good. I mean, on a on the remember in the first drive when they were at the red zone, you saw a fourth and two. Do you get the ball to Kenny Gainwell and run it in? No. Who do you give it to? DeAndre Swift. Yeah. You give it to Swift because he's been doing so damn well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like the fifth, but like the Eagles' fifth red zone trip, it resulted in the end of the game because they've just bled out the clock with like nine minutes to go after the Bucks scored that one garbage, their only garbage touchdown, which led the Eagles to win by 14 points. And by the way, that's Scorigami, by the way, 25 to 11. Really? Yeah, we got a Scorigami right here. Nice. But, like it. and then we got to talk about the tush push. Okay, before I go on to about the defense, Anand, what is your thought on the tush push or recalling the brotherly shove? I think it's a fantastic play. And if people can't figure out a way to stop it, or if people can't figure out a way to make it better, then that's their fault. The Eagles should not be penalized because they're doing something that's basically unstoppable. Yeah, and I've seen, of course, like we and I'm, I am, I'm gonna say a lot of language on this one. So, viewers, this is not how I am usually am, but I, I speak on behalf of all Eagles fans when I say this. Nick Wright, you are a piece of shit clown and an anal and an analyst. When you're saying like, oh, it should be banned. Peter King from Sports Illustrated. I respect you so much, but when you're making accusations like it's an abomination or something like that, I'm like, what? Did, did Peter King drink so much Patron when he was making that kind of argument? And you're calling it a rugby play? Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you try and ban the, the fact of pushing two people, do you not realize Jalen Hurts squatted 600 pounds when he was an OU? Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell? And then you're having... This idiot for Barstool Sports, and by the way, I just found out that he's the vice president of Barstool Sports. I don't care if El Prez, Dave Portnoy comes after me. Just because we have like low <laughs> followers, I don't give a shit. Yes. I'm going to call out Stephen Shea on this one. He said, and I quote, that he, and he said like he had wished, in the heat of the moment, he's a Bucks fan. He says like, I wish the play went away, and he would be okay if Jalen Hurts got hurt, if it meant the play would be banned. That is not something you, I, you say. So, I yeah. mean, 
the thing is, of course, we hate we hate we can hate teams. I hate the Cowboys much with a with with a passion, mm-hmm. and I. And I always curse them that they will never win a Super Bowl as long as I'm alive on this earth. And I hope that happens. And um, But you don't wish on players' injuries. Stephen Che, a part of my French, you're a fucking piece of trash. You stupid, you stupid asshole. You just don't say stuff like that. I know you tried to clear up your comments, but guess what? You picked a wrong ass fight to come out with, uh, like especially with Eagles Nation right here, boy. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what? I I'm out of my, like I'm go, uh, barring all rationality. Like this is the most emotional I have been so far, other than that Eagles yes. Super Bowl loss. Yes, this is it. I am putting a curse on your fucking team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're not gonna win the soup, the NFC South. They're not gonna win it. Mike Evans is gonna ask for a trade. Later on, and Baker Mayfield, I don't think it's even going to last an entire fucking season. So, Stephen Shea, thanks for your stupid piece of shit comments on that one. And I know you tried to clear it up with Thomas Mott, but seriously, you can go look yourself in the fucking mirror and the Bucks are going to fucking lose. I hope they lose on this one. And, and, and the next one I got to talk to is Chris Sims. Chris mother freaking Sims. You remember him, the former mm-hmm. UT quarterback who, who, um, you know, who he tried, who, who's been talking so much shit about Jalen Hurts, and he's been getting the wrath of Eagles fans. Yeah, I know, because he was drafted by the Bucks. He didn't do shit with Tony Dungy, and he was, and he's a son of what? A, a son of um, Giants legend Bill Sims. I don't know. He had a mediocre career too. I, I apparently got the Hall of Fame. I could give two shits about him, but. Anyway, you know what? He was speaking in the co- with a polarizing analyst. He was, he was um, talking with Mike Florio on NBC's Pro Football Talk. Uh, and uh, he that, said, That's a stupid-ass show. First of all, Mike Florio, he was one of and the... And he made Mike Florio the, the most sane person. And oh you know God. what Chris Sims said yeah, th- yeah. today? He said this, if, and I quote, If I was a defensive coach, I would be going headhunting on the quarterback here. Go ahead, let him have it. Dive over, go crazy, and try to kill the quarterback. Wow. And then he says, I didn't mean it like that, but I mean make them pay and make them think twice about doing that. That's not how you actually coach. You're not actively Chris there. Chris, okay. Now I'm going to go after you, Chris. This is surprising Chris- because he's a quarterback and his dad was a quarterback, like a le- Hall of Fame quarterback. How? No, his, no you know what? Chris's dad is a piece of shit because he's a fucking giant. And you, Are and you, you saying know- Lawrence Taylor is a piece of shit because he was a giant? No, I'm not talking about. No, Lawrence Taylor is a legend. I'm talking about I'm talking about his father, Phil Sims. No, I know. I know. I know. Never mind. Continue. No. Do, don't get me like I'm just starting on this. Uh, on Go this. ahead. God damn it, making me all all riled up and all this shit. That you know what? The only thing that you were that like you want to know Chris Sims' record? Uh, like when he's talking about like going after the QB, you were a QB yourself. You're a, and I'm looking in Wikipedia for your NFL statistics because you haven't done shit that was amazing back in your days. He was he he had out of. Um, his touchdown to interception percent thing was twelve for seven eighteen, passing yards three thousand uh, one one seven, 
Passer rating, 69.1. No wonder you left the game of football as a quarterback because you couldn't do fucking shit with Tampa Bay because you were supposed to be the successor to Brad Johnson after they won that Super Bowl. But guess what? You were cast out, of the, cast out like a bag of chips. Empty fucking bag of chips. And then you... And, and and I can go on with that. You were hired as a, a coaching assistant in the New England Patriots in twenty in twenty twelve. You you were only given one year because guess what? Bill Belichick found someone better, and now you're doing something. Uh, now you're doing something meaningful in your life, which is a broadcasting career. Well, guess what? I mean, I I don't want to go full on dirty like this, but you are a sorry excuse for an analyst. You should be banned for saying shit like this. And I know I'm going to get called out. And yeah, I pardon my, I pardon, I, I'm, I apologize if I'm saying any language to this. I'm usually not this kind of type of person when I'm talking in podcasts like that. But Chris Sims, Steven, um, Steven Beach or Steven Bitch from, um, Bleach, from Barstools, Chris Sims, yeah, you, you, um, you, uh, you stupid motherfuckers. That, that want to come after Jalen Hurts and RQB, y'all two can seriously kiss my midnight green and white ass gold birds. You cannot stop the tush push. It is inevitable. Go fuck yourselves. And now to the Eagles defense. I'm sorry. I had to rant on this one, man. Nah, you had every right to. Those I guys... know. I'm fucking pissed at those guys. I've been yeah. wanting to get this off of my chest. Yes. Seriously, they can go fuck off as far as I'm concerned. But now, back to the defensive. The defensive line featuring Georgia. They're just game wreckers, man. I mean, whoever had the smartest idea of skipping Jalen Carter to the Eagles? Fail. Nine teams skipped on him. The Bears traded away that pick to us so they can protect Justin Fields, who isn't doing anything? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, a waste. All those teams, like you know the sea chickens, the uh, the Raiders. Boy, would would they have loved to have Jalen Carter on their team? But apparently, their coach can't count, so that's, that's a fair. Thing. That's fair. And, and I mean, like even with that, he would have screwed up like that area. I mean, the the play calling with Carter and all that. Just saying. Mm -hmm. but the defense, they held the Bucks to forty one rushing yards. When I thought like Rashad White was going to be like a big threat, and I was very surprised. Baker Mayfield did not attack the middle of the field with the tight ends until late in the game. Did you see that at all when you were watching that? Mm, yeah. I didn't see it. I did not see Kadon get targeted. And guess what? This Eagles defense, they generated a pair of takeaways. And oh my God, Jalen Carter, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Beat the dome moment. Jalen Carter, he's a future Hall of Famer right there. Two tackles. Okay. Two tackles. One QB hit. One forced fumble and half a sack along with Felcher Coffs. And I did not have Marlon Tuipolotu getting a sack as part of my 2023 Eagles bingo card. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> like I'm like fifth on your depth chart. He's like fifth or sixth. Like yeah. he's lost between Jordan Davis, Mil Milton Williams, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Kentavious Street, Marlon Tuipolotu. Like Jesus, man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. where is he? I just, I say, wait, is it? I thought I was like, oh, it's gonna, oh, I thought it was like Joshua getting the sack. No, I see Marlon Tuipoloto. I'm like, huh? Who? Mm -hmm. And then one impressive play that forced fumble. Baker Mayfield throws a, a quick pass to, to Rashad White because he's getting pressured. 
out of nowhere behind him, Jalen Carter does a peanut punch, meaning he comes from behind, punches the ball out of his hands, the punches the ball out of uh, Rashad Weiss's grasp, and then James Bradbury comes with the recovery. And then we have to talk about the second pick that Jalen Hurts threw. It was at the one-yard line. The Bucks. okay, if you're at the one-yard line in your own end zone, do you throw it or do you run it? Run it? Yeah, but guess what? You have Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis wrecking that mm. O-line, and then out of nowhere, Nicholas Morrow, the guy who was signed to the practice squad in like after N'Kobe Dean in week one is uh, on IR, he goes around and enforces a safety. We pull a safety to make it 25-3. And... And also, our banged-up secondary, we did hold our own against Baker Mayfield and the passing offense. We only allowed, like, one touchdown with that two-point conversion in that one drive. But overall, we held Mike Evans to check. I mean, Mike Evans, he was held to, like, did you see Mike Evans at all during that game? Did you find it? Was he an MIA? I mean, he he was recently, you know, uh, making some brief appearances. And whatever appearances he did make, he had like a several drop catches, which was very astonishing for Mike Evans, who's yeah typically automatic in terms of catch rate. And I thought they would target Chris Godwin more. Yeah, I guess they just couldn't face the defensive That's line pressure. Was. Like, and, like. And yeah, that Bucks O line is is not what it used to be under Tom Brady. I think no, they were without a couple of players, but right. I mean, but it's like next man mentality. How are you going to step up? You try and run the game. You try and run the ball, but of course, like the run game was shut down. They held the Bucks um, running attack to forty one yards, mm -hmm. and Mike Evans, he had ten targets, five receptions for sixty yards and one touchdown. Chris Godwin, five targets, three receptions for thirty two. Hate on the tight end, who I thought was going to have a good game. Two targets, one reception for 16. That was late in the game. And I know Mike Evans made that crazy catch, but that was way too late. Baker mm -hmm. Mayfield was lost. He was pressured. I mean, there was one play in which, like, after Mayfield tried to make a play along a deep pass, he was hit from behind by Nolan Smith, who I thought, like, crushed him, man. Mm -hmm. And Nolan Smith, that was, like, Nolan Smith's, like, first play. <laughs> entering in i'm like oh my god i think he killed a man in that one but also baker mayfield he was 15 for 25 146 yards but technically 133 because he was sacked twice for 13 yards and mm. that one pick was to my boy reed blankenship with the pick you know what i'm gonna say yeah, go right ahead. Right time. And did you know he's the only UDFA safety to ever intercept Aaron Rodgers? But I think like we did miss his play because he was because he appears at the right moments. He's been making play after play, and I've been very impressed with him. And another thing is our special teams did screw up. Our I was worried about uh, special teams, but apparently Brent Covey had a great game. Three three punt returns for 81 yards. The longest one he had was a 52 yarder, which set up the three, which set up that field goal. And then, of course, Brent Covey had, I mean, he barely returned 
like only like what one time and then we brought up Devin Allen and Devin Allen had a 17 yard punt return kick return, but Britton Covey had a 30 yard punt return. So, I mean, special teams are good. Jake Elliott, three for three on field goals and two for two on extra points. And Braden man, he had a 30, the recent, um, the new signing for the, the new, um, the new Eagles punter in the practice squad, one punt for 38 yards, not bad, but, um, I think, this is a game in which I thought Jalen Hurts could have done better in the passing game, but we're still Eagles are still not playing their best type of brand of football, yet we're still dominating, man. But once it hits on 100% cylinders, rest of the league, you're on notice, boy, because the Eagles, we want that treasure back. We want it, and no one ain't going to stop us, not even from the NFC North, not even from the NFC South, not even from the NFC East, not even in the NFC West. Eagles want that. Eagles want that gold. We want that ring, baby. Whoo! I said my piece. All I righty. A lot uh, on that this test. was this was just like a cathartic release for both of us. Honestly, it this was a cathartic <laughs> release. I think y'all needed that win. And by the way, thank you Packers for winning because the the Eagles have the Saints' second round pick. Yep. Yep. I'm going to feel the same thing for all the Jets losses to come because we have the Jets second round pick now. Yeah. So it's just going to be fantastic see, to see the Jets and the Saints lose. And I was looking at Tankathon, and guess uh -huh. what? Eagle, the, with, the, with that Saints pick, the Eagles are projected to get a line, an offensive lineman from Georgia. And I'm like, am I not surprised? Should I, should I even be surprised? Just draft SEC. That's all you got to do. Yeah, just draft, just draft Georgia. That's all. Yep. And one more thing, I still want to say: have a nice day and go fuck yourself, Chris Sims. Go fuck yourself, Stephen Beecher, Stephen Che, or Stephen Bitch from Barstools. Dave Portnoy fires ass. All righty. Oh yeah, so one bite. Everyone knows the rules. This is from your one bite review, Dave Portnoy. One bite, Stephen Steve Stephen Che is Stephen Bitch. So now we're going to move on because we have run way past our schedule <laughs> and uh, move on to the Masala games of the week. You got to talk so, about that. Yeah, yeah, we do. So for me, the Chiefs versus Bears, uh, it basically gave me exactly <laughs> what I wanted from this game. Just, you know, sheer fucking domination of the fucking Chicago Bears. Right, the Chiefs <laughs> hung up 34 points in the first half, and they allowed zero by the Bears. The Chiefs looked unstoppable. The Bears couldn't even muster a single, you know, negative play with an interim DC. They just don't have an identity, right? Like, for the Bears, their history has been always, we have a strong defense, and we're going to beat the shit out of everybody that we face, right? Including that stupid 85 season with the with that 85 Bears, right? Walter Payne, have... Ron Rivera, right. William the Refrigerator, Perry. Right. Like, you didn't, they didn't have great QBs. Now, they're trying to build an offensive identity with Justin Fields, but they've forgotten that they need to actually focus on their defense because their defense is shit. It's literal garbage. Brian Urlacher would be weeping. They are amongst the worst in terms of basically many defensive metrics. If you want to just look at overall DVOA, right? The Bears are 30th. 
behind the Jets, uh, behind the Giants and the Broncos <laughs> against the pass. The um, uh, I just want to say, um, the, this is disrespect to the Broncos, you know, Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> we are always, we're always so unlimited on what we do. <laughs> uh -huh. The um, the Bears, in terms of against the pass, they're 31st in DVOA. Rush, they're decent, they're only 16th, they're not a, as bad as uh, other teams like the Broncos. Uh, but if you look at you know, adjusted line yards allowed. Um, another defensive metric for interior, uh, for for against the run and like typically just D line stuff. Well, in rushing, they're actually pretty good. But if you look at ASR, dead last. Pressure sack rate 09 percent, thirty second in the league. So they can't get pressure on anybody. If you look at you know defensive EPA per play, right? Uh, the Bears are second worst against the pass, second worst against the rush, actually pretty decent. Uh, they're there, I believe they're like 15th or middle of the pack. So, against the rush, they're pretty decent, but they have <laughs> oh boy. a pathetic passing defense, and that is why the Chiefs were able to hang 41 points. On the Bears to just hand. My God. So Justin Fields was horrendous. The Chiefs' defense, especially Chris Jones, was locked down. Like no, no room for any sort of you know. That's Steve Spagnola for you, man. Yeah, there, there's not much to say here. It's just that. Uh, I know that Taylor Swift got a lot of coverage during that game, and they had yes. to they had to to um, air another game because of the beatdown that we were witnessing. Yep, yep, exactly. That's how bad it got. Like they Fox literally had to switch to the Cowboys and Cardinals game because <laughs> the Chiefs was so bad. But that's that's all I want. That's all I wanted from this game. That's all I got from this game. Yeah. Justin Fields is he's in his third year. He is not improving. They the coaches they are not doing a good job of giving Justin Fields and, and setting Justin Fields in the right place at the right time. He's holding he's still holding on to the ball so long, dude. I was like, like my internal clock to throw the ball away was going off two seconds before his was. Oh like, my god. He was holding the ball for four or five seconds sometimes on, on passes and is not good to watch. And if you're a Bears fan, quit. Join the Packers. Or join the, or the Lions. Or Either the one of those two. That's it for me. All right. I'm gonna make this very, very quick. So there was a game between the Bills and the Commanders. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. And I I think I'm having this bad luck again, dude. I honest every time I pick a game, it turns out to be either entertaining or it's just a complete beatdown. <laughs> I just don't get it. What is it that I'm doing? Am I jinxing them or what? No, no, it's just uh it's a subconscious thing. Like you wanna see a beatdown. You just have some rage against something that's going on, and you're like, I want to see a fucking thing get punched to oblivion. 
Yeah, apparently it was the Bills and the Commanders game. The the final score, 37 to 3. The Bills almost had a shutout before the Commanders kicked the field goal. It was like dead. And Damn. I was like, and I was like, okay, the offense didn't do that much, but oh my god, defense. I'm just they saw Sam Howell and they feasted with nine sacks and four picks. Like literally, if this was like an oh this was like an Oprah Winfrey show, you get a sack, you get a pick, you get a sack, you get a sack, you get a sack. I'm like, good lord. Like, you I know you're pissed off. We get it. We know you lost to the Jets on in game and in, in week one i understand that but you took it that anger out on the on the raiders and now the commanders i'm like what happened was that lost that bad okay you know what i mean it was like yeah. it's it's like why was this televised to begin with right this is this was like like you know I, uh, uh, an unknown team or like Georgia beating up on like Western Michigan University or some <laughs> nonsense school like that. Like yeah. just just a total and Dude, utter it was like Georgia beating on TCU in the check or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, something like that. You know, a, a fully prepared, much better team against ugh, not yeah. that good of a team. Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing is, like Sam, I thought like Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy would, would come up with a game plan to like counter this Bills defense, but apparently the Bills defense had other ideas. I mean, they it was like apparently the route was so clean that Josh Allen and his teammates in their all white uniforms barely got dirty despite playing on a muddy field. Mm. This was the defense that forced five turnovers actually, and the Bills have outscored their opponents seventy-five to thirteen. Since losing at the New York Jets in week one. And Allen Allen threw and apparently um Terrell Terrell Bernard, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White, AJS Epineza had had those four picks. And Terrell Bernard is the first player in NFL with two plus sacks, one interception, and a fumble recovery since 2007. And that person and the and the one the, the last one to do that was Brian Erlacher. Or is Brian Urlacher? Like, tell me about it, damn. That was too much. And Josh Allen, he didn't need to do much. 20 for 32, 218 yards, one touchdown, um, one interception. I mean, like, the I mean, the commander's defense is really, really good. But I think once the Bills defense kept on attacking and put and putting the Bills offense in good in good positions to score, I think it was just too much. I mean, there was times where Stephon Diggs was catching everything. Eight receptions, 12 target out of 12 targets, 111 yards. The run game was strong and effective when needed for the Bills. And that's what I really liked about it. James Cook had 15 carries for 98 yards. Josh Allen, of course, he ran the ball three for 46 yards. And then, I mean, they tried some trick plays. And they even had to, I think they tried to bring their quarter, their backup Kyle Allen. I think he had like two kneel downs. But. Um, I mean, one thing is like one thing that I saw was pretty scary was that Washington's defensive line, which I thought would would be a game wrecker, like Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Jace Harris, they had back-to-back victories when they forced turnovers. They were ineffective. The commanders, here's a scary thing, Anand. Listen to this. The commanders mm-hmm. did not sack Josh Allen once in 32 passing attempts before he was pulled in for backup Kyle Allen when the game got out of hand. 
damn. Like, is this the defense that Jack Del Rio puts in? Because, and I think that they were playing a lot of cover too, and Stefan Diggs was exploiting it like crazy. Mm. And I mean, that's all I got to say, but like, damn, whoever hurt you, Buffalo, I'm sorry, man. I think, I think you should be ready for next week. Just saying. All righty. So yeah, that's it from the Masala Games of the Week segment for us. Now we are going to move on to the best segment, the Punch, punch Minutes. Let's Recap. go. All righty. So let's set the timer. Yeah, so a lot of catharsis that we've been letting out, man. It's a huh? cathartic experience. This is a oh, this yeah. has been the cathartic episode. Those yeah. that are going through like our NFL therapy, this is it. Just yes. let loose. Yes, no exactly. No needed. Yes. All righty, I'm gonna do the AFC this time. Okay, what what mm -hmm. we got? What do we have? Let's go. Well, let's start with the Titans versus the Browns. Lock in Miles Garrett as the defensive Alexander the Great because <laughs> he is terrifying offenses so much that they're literally having two offensive linemen or blockers following wherever he goes. Literally two people following Miles Garrett in terms of the blocking assignment for the offense wherever whichever side miles garrett lines up on that's how bad he was wrecking the titans and eventually the browns beat up on the titans 27 to 3 this titans offense oh my god i picked them i you picked them for my team draft i am so <laughs> stupid you know who my team draft is right now my what? teams our Chiefs, okay, uh -huh. doing well. Ravens, ugh. Lions, okay. Titans, ugh. Panthers, <laughs> one of the worst teams in the league. Giants, one of the worst teams in the league. <sighs> Anyways, moving on. Denver versus Miami. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Why are, they Daniel? Why are they televising murder on live television? <laughs> I don't know, dude. But he is officially a genius mastermind oh because he put up a 70 steamer courtesy of Mr. Brandon Perna, who is a fantastic YouTuber and unfortunately who is a Broncos fan. So, yeah, he did a video. And did you know it was number three trending on YouTube, on all of YouTube? He hit <laughs> one million views. Mm, oh my god. On the reaction to the Denver versus Miami game. Because if you wanted to look at an effortless offensive powerhouse of a performance, then you watch this game. Because Miami steamrolled over Denver 70 to 20. 70 points to 20. The second oh highest god. score in NFL history. And the first team to score 70 points in 60 years. And oh they would have gotten the scoring record with 73 if they went for the final field goal because they had four minutes left, but they showed mercy. Here are some fun facts. This Miami offense, through the first three weeks of this season, has the highest 
offensive EPA per play or expected points added per play since the league expanded to in 32 to 32 teams in 2002 i.e. they are better than the 2004 Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning in his prime and Marvin uh Marvin Harrison I believe Whoa. they are better than the 2007 Patriots with Tom Brady and Randy Moss in their primes. They are better than the Kansas City Chiefs of 2018. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, the whole package. They are better than the 2020 Packers where, where Aaron Rodgers won his fourth MVP. The 2013 Broncos who set the single-season scoring record. Miami is on target to hit 737 points on the season. They are going at 43.3 points per game. Hmm. Another fun fact, Mike McDaniels was captured in a photo during the game to be in the stands with his play sheet talking to one of the fans while the game was going on. <laughs> Did that actually happen or is it like fake? I don't know. I don't know if this was Photoshop, but this was going... Tom Grassi was talking about it. Like, I don't know if this is false, but if it was true, oh my God. <laughs> and another fun fact, Mike McDaniels was the ball boy for the Denver Broncos I in the early 2000s, right? Ooh. And then this year, or not this year, last, uh, yeah, this year or last year, when there was a head coaching vacancy for the Denver Broncos, where they mm -hmm. selected Nathaniel Hackett, they didn't even interview Mike McDaniel's. Another wow. fun fact: <laughs> this this Dolphins is the second team in NFL history to have 300 passing yards and 300 rushing yards. In the same game. Damn. Um, they, they have 17 touchdowns in this season. The next closest are the Chargers with 10. This was also seven straight uh, 10 straight touchdowns. Offensive touchdowns. At one point, Tua had zero incompletions he finished the game with more touchdowns than incompletions that is how massive of a beatdown this was all right enough of miami versus denver because this week is denver versus chicago <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know what this screams tank ball <laughs> oh that's gonna be horrendous oh, losing to our minds right now. <laughs> oh. oh my god uh, speaking of horrendous games to watch what about the pats versus the jets zach wilson ain't it as Joe Namath said, Mac Jones oh, yeah. looks like he has if, a lot to improve on. Yeah. If Joe Namath is calling you out, you know something's wrong. Mm hmm. 
And then at least the defenses put up a fight, but the Patriots squeak by 15 to 10. Like that's that's not a game that you would want to watch. Anyways, Texans versus Jaguars. What the hell is happening to Dougie P and Trevor Lawrence? Their red zone offense so far this season, 24th in the league at just 50%. They have to do better, especially if they want to win this division because right now they are not in the lead. The Texans are. And for the Texans, for you Texans fans, you found your successor because C.J. Stroud is the third rookie QB in NFL history to pass for more than 900 yards in his first three games only to be bested by Cam Newton and Justin Herbert. C.J. Stroud is also the first rookie QB to throw for more than 900 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions in his first three games. Now, they have a lot to improve on, sure, but you found your future in C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. So really give it up to the Texans because they surprised the Jags 37-17. to Next one, Colts versus Ravens. Ref ball. Clear. Oh, it was a pass interference on the Colts defender that would have allowed the Ravens to be in field goal range for Justin Tucker for the winner. But it went to overtime and the Colts pulled off the upset. Colts upset the Ravens 22-19. Finally, Steelers versus Raiders. Josh McDaniels needs to be fired for the most egregious, dumbfounding, mind-numbing, boneheaded decision to go for a field goal when you're down by eight points at a fourth and short situation from the red zone and less than four minutes left in the game. Goes for the field goal. Anyways, Steelers were gifted the win. 23 to 18. That's it from the AFC side. What about the NFC? Man, I let's make this quick for the for the NFC because I have a special surprise for the <laughs> NFC. <laughs> oh, this is the part where I tell Cowboys fans this is not what you want to hear, but you're going to hear from me anyways. Giants <clears throat> yeah. versus 49ers. Niners win 30 to 12. I mean, Giants defense did bring the pressure, but I mean, Niners have too many playmakers. No D, no Brandon Ayuk, no problem. I mean, Debo took over. Debo Samuel, six receptions, 129 yards, one touchdown. I bet the Niners to win the game, and I need a Christian McCaffrey to make a touchdown and over 50 rushing yards. You want to know what his stats were? Go ahead. 18 rushes for 85 rushing yards and one touchdown. I won my parlay, baby. I there made you my go. parlay, baby. Nice. Um, five receptions for 24 receiving yards. I mean, Brock Purdy did look good. 25 for 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked twice. But against the Blitz, 33 of 39 dropbacks, he capitalized with 247 yards out of the 310 pass play, passing pass play yards. That's just incredible by Brock Purdy. Good job on that. And apparently, the Giants cannot run the ball against this Niners defense. I mean, 29 rushing yards? Yikes. Even with no Barkley, no offensive 
guard no no um no guard Brendan Bredersen and Andrew Thomas. I mean, sheesh, couldn't even run the ball against Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa and all that guys. That's fine, but Falcons versus Lions. This was the Sam Laporta game for the Lions. Like first NFL tight end to catch five passes in each of his first two games. Eight receptions for 84 yards and one touchdown. Lions win 26. Golf was effective. 22 for 33, 243 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And he had a three-yard design run that fooled the entire Falcons defense, and he had the score in, so that made it 26. And apparently, I mean, like, Amon Ross St. Brown and, um, oh, my goodness, what am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, Amon, I mean, like, Amon Ross St. Brown had um, nine receptions for 102 yards, but Sam Laporta was a big star. I mean, the Jameer Gibbs. You run the ball with Jameer Gibbs, it works. 17 carries for 80 yards. And Bijan Robinson was held to 33 yards for 10 carries. Again, the Lions defense got to Desmond Ritter with seven sacks, bro. Seven sacks, two via Aiden by Aiden Hutchinson. And by the way, Anant, you want to know who had the most solo tackles? You're going to hate this for me. Don't remind me. Brian Branch, 11 solo ah. tackles, great tackles for a loss, two passes deflect. <laughs> Which begs the question, why the hell did you not keep... I don't know. We traded with the Lions. We did get Jaden Reed, who is looking every game like a really, really effective wide-receiving star. But, dude, Brian Branch. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go over this in the preview. Just Yeah. Just, okay, yeah. Panthers versus the Seahawks, or are they still the Sea Chickens in your view? I guess the Seahawks. They've, they've proven themselves. Yeah. I mean, the Seahawks were trailing 13 to 10, 13 to 12, but to be honest, the offense was like, everything was stale. But then the Seahawks discovered, hey, we are a running team, so let's run the ball. And it took over. 37 to 27 victory over New Panthers starting QB Andy Dalton. And the Panthers, now with Bryce Young being out for, for some time over concussion. I mean, Kenneth Walker... He had um, 18 carries, 97 yards of rushing, and two touch two touchdowns, both in the second half. Jake Myers, five field goals, and I think that pretty much helped them win the game. And um, Zach Charbonnet, dude, we got to talk about Zach Charbonnet, man. Nine carries for 46 yards. Did you see that one play where he shoved the man to the shadow realm? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, is he okay, or is he, or did I, that I, he, he was done. He was done. I think it was yeah, shadow realm. It's, I think like and, and Gino was okay, 23 for 36, 296 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Sack twice. DK Metcalf had another 100. He had six receptions for 112 yards. He's just too damn good. I'm still pissed why the Eagles couldn't get him in the second round of that draft. Instead, we got freaking J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And we did get Miles Sanders. And dude, Seattle crowd, the 12th man, stand up. They were on fire. They it, this their noise. They led to eight false starts for the Panthers. The Panthers false started eight times because <laughs> of the crowd. Thirteen penalties for Carolina. I mean, Andy Dalton. He did have a good. Um, he he did he did his best. He kept the game close. Um, threw for fifty eight. But you're throwing for fifty eight times, bro. Thirty four for fifty eight. It's not gonna work. 34 for 58, 361 yards, two touchdowns, but you were sacked three times. I mean, just come on. And Devin Witherspoon had a good game. 11 total tackles, so eight solos, two pass deflections. But um, Jaron Reed, 
Um, did have a good game too. Eight solo, eight, five solo tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and one pass deflection, three QB hits. So that was good. Now, LA Chargers versus the Minnesota Vikings. We did talk about the injury with Mike Williams, hoping for a speedy recovery to you, good sir. But Anand, how do you feel about this game with the Vikings losing in last minute fashion? <laughs> the Vikings did this game literally. <laughs> They are 0 and 3. <laughs> I'm going to let you have some fun with this one. I mean, Justin, dude, this was like honestly uh, a good offensive showcase. And I've I've checked the box score. This is shocking. Every quarter, the Chargers scored a touchdown. Like, first quarter, Chargers 7. Second quarter, Chargers 7. Third quarter, Chargers 7. Fourth quarter, Chargers 7. They mm -hmm. scored it every quarter. Who would have thought? Mm -hmm. I mean, Justin like Kellen Moore. I do it has to be that Kellen Moore offense. And speaking of Kellen Moore, dude, Justin Herbert, 40 for 47, 405 yards of passing. Yeah. Yeah. Three I'm touchdowns and one sack. And of course, Keenan Allen, who is who I think he should be a backup quarterback. One for one, 49 yards, and that one touchdown passes to Mike Williams before he got hurt. And speaking of Keenan Allen, dude, 18 receptions. 215 yards of receiving. Mm -hmm. Good lord. And Kirk Cousin and Kirky Kirk and the Funky Bun and the Purple Bunch. Um 32 for 50, 367 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, sacked four times. Alexander, I mean Alexander Madison. I mean, he had 93 yards of rushing. I mean, you ran the ball, but and Justin Jefferson had a touchdown finally, seven receptions for 149 yards, but the fumbles. Oh my goodness. Like you keep on turning over the ball. It is going to come and bite you in the butt. Like literally like TJ Hawkinson had that fumble, had that one crucial fumble. And, um, and we have to talk about the final game. Okay. Anna, we have to talk about the final play on this game. I mm -hmm. want you to talk about this because this is with the hated Vikings. <laughs> it's about that play. <laughs> So uh, it's Kirky Kirk and the Purple Bunch trying to get in for that, um, you know, game-winning touchdown. But before that, it was Chargers almost charging it with I I I, I don't know what. Why do you go for a fourth and one? Kick that, the that's what I'm saying. It was it. of their own 24, 25-yard line, which means if they failed, which they did, all the Vikings would have to do is march 24 yards for a touchdown. But no, they went for it. They failed instead of punting it and having the Vikings actually march the rest of the field, you know, to score that touchdown. I don't know what analytics decision led to, you know, Brandon Staley uh, going for it there, but they went for it. They failed. And then the Vikings got the ball right there. You always knew that they were going to score that touchdown. Yeah, what <laughs> you didn't rely on Kirk Kirk and the purple bunch, especially Kirky Kirk becoming Kirky Kirk. He threw a red zone interception, I believe, right? Like just right in the middle of the um the end zone. Through that interception, game ended right then and there. Oh my and you know what they wasted. They were, um, I think they like waste. He had, and apparently with no timeouts left, 
Cousins had trouble during the play call and 29 seconds ticked off the clock until the next. Snap. Yes. Oh Why my didn't they God. Why didn't they? They had such they, an, like this, it's Kirky Kirk and being Kirky Kirk. This is a fireable like, offense. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. Because here's here's what it was, right? So you had 47 seconds, third and 10. Kirk Cousins passes uh, a short uh, gain for TJ Hawkinson for five yards, right? And then it's fourth and five, 42 seconds left, right? No timeouts. Um, Right. Yeah. He throws to TJ Hawkinson for nine yards. Now they are down in field uh, in 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 the ten yard line within ten yards. So it's first and goal at the six yard line, and they're wasting time. They wasted twenty nine seconds. Or so they snapped the ball at the 15 second mark so between the 40 second mark and 40 second so 42 seconds and 15 seconds they lost 27 seconds 27 seconds you didn't like and it's only a nine yard gain it's not like you have to travel the entire end of the field nine yards run quickly give the ball to the you know to to the um to the uh, ref have them, you know, place the ball. Then you spike it. You still have three other downs to get six yards, or even a touchdown. You right? No, 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 no. That's that's what I meant. Six yards for the touchdown, okay. right? Because it's first and goal at the six. So then, even if you were to spike it, it's second and goal at the six. But you would have saved thirty, like twenty-five seconds at least. You would have had thirty seconds to get into the end zone. For six yards, come on. You're telling me you couldn't have schemed up a, a, a fade throw to Justin Jefferson and then Kirk Cousins just laying it up there, making him go and get it? Like, that would have been the easiest thing. But no, they wasted so much time on the clock. He, he, you know, he snapped the ball and he threw it in the middle intended for TJ Hawkinson, but Kenneth Murray intercepted it and that's it. Justin Fields Game kneels. Set match yep okay so the vikings charged it that's what they did the, the vikings, vikings charged it. it yep yep and now and i'm gonna and this i'm actually gonna take a detour on this one rams versus the Bengals. i mean honestly i hate the monday night football doubleheaders just my take mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense yes i mean in my point of view i mean it should just be honestly one. why did joe burrow play this game i know he had like a good set of records of passing yards but the box score alone. I didn't even have to look at the game. I just looked at the box score. It was ugly. 16 to 19. Yeah, you got the win, but Burrow playing on a bad hamstring. I know leg injuries because recently I told you like how I had a calf injury, had an injury on my calf. It is mm -hmm. not fun. Yeah. And a hamstring alone. Don't yeah. risk it. Yeah, and there was news that you know he was reaching out to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers infamously had that calf strain last year. Yeah, uh, and then a couple of years before that as well. So he knows a thing or two about dealing with a calf strain and playing quarterback, right? So, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like this game was horrendous, and I actually watched it. Like I watched a little bit of it, thinking that oh, okay, it's you know it's going to be a high flying. Maybe you know, Puka Nakua can give me some touchdowns, right? Puka Nakua can have like a hundred yard game, two touchdowns. Maybe Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow finally put it together, but no, 
It was a defensive slugfest. And the entire, like Cincinnati, like the Bengals were their crisp white on black, uh, sorry, black on white, uh, you know. The you, white jerseys. It yeah, was the white jerseys. It's just beautiful to look at. Everything was white. Like the Bengals logo was black and white. Um, everybody was wearing white and at the Bengal Stadium. And it was just like, what are we watching? We were watching molasses <laughs> on both sides. The Rams let up nine sacks or nine or seven sacks. Six sacks on Six Max sacks. There you go. Six sacks. Whereas in the previous games, they had uh, let zero. So what happened there? I have no idea. Yeah, and and that Joe Mixon wasn't utilized that much either. So yeah, it, it was bad. I'm not. I mean, of course, yeah. Jamar Chase had 141 receiving yards out of 12 mm-hmm. receptions, but yeah, still. Why did Joe Burrow play this game? I will never know. It was a bad decision in my point of view. Yeah, and he said that it might increase the risk of re-injuring that calf strain. No dog. Yeah. <laughs> like. I, I I need it. If you needed it, I'm gonna take a video of this, like really quickly, just for this thing. I'm, here's what I'm gonna say: No duh, <laughs> no duh. Yes, I just have to say that. And last but not least, oh, America's team, I've been <laughs> wanting to say this. You have the Cow floor. How about them, cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, America's team. Oh, we're gonna. Oh, we have the number one Monte Davis reporting 40 30 points. We're gonna beat this sorry ass Cardinals team. <laughs> Read them, boys. Guess what? Y'all, them, y'all, them toddlers, because y'all cowboys' asses got stomped by the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a rocket scientist, bitch. <laughs> That's true. Joshua Dobbs has a uh, has a degree in aerospace engineering. He's a backup QB journeyman, and he's out here beating up on Micah Parsons. Seventeen for twenty-one, one hundred eighty-nine yards and one touchdown. Of course, yeah, he took two sacks, but. He played you you made him look like he was like, oh, I don't know, like who Joe Montana or Kurt Warner in this game. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this right now. I want you to feel this pain, Cowboys fans. Cause you let because your vaunted rush defense. You want to know how many rushing yards they gave up to this Cardinals tree backups of James Conner and Josh Dobbs and Rondell Moore and Keontae Ingram and Amari De, De, De Mercado? You want to know how much they gave up? Go ahead. 222 rushing yards. <laughs> James Conner had 14 carries for 98. And Rondell Moore, oh my God. You just let him through like Moses parting the <laughs> Red Sea. <laughs> and he ran for a 45 yard touchdown. Oh my God. So much for Leighton Vanderish and those run and those linebackers can't do jack shit this time. And Micah Parsons was yelling, oh, 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 run at me this time. Guess what? Your ass got run over. Defensive player of the year, my ass. Yeah, you got a sack, but you couldn't do shit against this running attack. And 
And I mean, like, and did you see that one play? Josh Dobbs, like, it, it was a, it was a, you remember that, do you see that deep pass that Josh Dobbs threw to Michael Wilson? Mm-hmm. What the hell kind of coverage is that, that I, that I was watching? What was it that you saw? Cowboys coverage. Cowboys coverage. They'll Meaning give up busted. something big. Yeah. And guess what? I understand that you did not have Trayvon Diggs and I'm rooting for him to be well, but knowing full well that you're going to be without a big corner and, and then, and of, and of course, like you had, um, you had Duran Bland move over you. It was supposed to, you're supposed to bring safety help. Like where was J, J Ron curse? And I'm talking to to a relative of his Javon curse, the freak, a great defensive end for the Titans and the Eagles a long time back. Your um your relative J Ron Curse isn't doing jack shit. Give him to the Eagles and you'll make him better. Trust me on this one. And um, I mean, I'm just I'm saying it unapologetically. And and of course, Marquise Hollywood Brown with the touchdown. Ooh, that was beautiful. On a, so beautiful. But you, every time the Cardinals score a touchdown, you don't need to go for two. Just take the points. But hey, that field goal kick by um by uh matt prater that 62 yarder that was money and we got to talk about this cowboys offense on us <laughs> jack prescott mvp candidate oh 25 for 40 241 49 yards one touch on one interception oh yeah uh, he's defensive player of the year candidate that's what he is <laughs> i mean he was sacked twice i mean it was good i mean to be honest Cardinals defense gave it their all. They've been competing. That's the one thing I'll give Jonathan Gannon on. He know he he told he said like and you know what? I gotta ask you in the words of Jonathan Gannon, you still have the fire in you. <laughs> you have the fire in you. <laughs> he got me convinced, man. They've been playing did you hard. Take the bus or did you take the car? You know what? I took. I think he he told the Cardinals to take the bus and sh and destroy that Cowboys offense, baby. <laughs> Tony Pollard. I mean, twenty three carries for one hundred twenty two yards of rushing. Why didn't you use him more? I mean, it, the running game was good, but then you when you went into the pass, knowing so many different looks the Cardinals were giving up. But we have to talk about the red zone. What the hell were the Cowboys doing on the red zone? How many red zone trips? I think like, um, I don't know, there was like a stat. I don't know how many drives the Cowboys were on at the red zone, but they weren't able to convert. I think it was one of five. They oh had five red zone, uh, red zone drives, and they only scored one touchdown. And on the season, they are at 40%, 27th in the league. Ooh. In terms of red zone, uh, sorry, uh, 26th, 26th in the league in terms of red zone touchdown percentage. Yeah. And, and you want to know the crazy thing, like at that final drive, like the cow, the Cowboys were in, were in the, were, um, were in the ends, were in the red zone after the Cardinals scored that touchdown. You know what? You want to know the brilliant play calling the Cowboys offensive thing was? Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott throws it into triple coverage. Excellent play calling. <laughs> and guess who intercepts it? Former Eagle Kazir White. <laughs> With three minutes left to play. 
What the hell was that? <laughs> I mean, good lord. That was, I mean, and I get it. The Cowboys with the, their center, Tyler Biotish and Zach Martin, but you were doing so well with running the ball. Why didn't you run it more when you were in the red zone? You kept on going pass play after pass play. It, it's just madness, but you know, it brings a beauty. It brings a tear to my eye to see how incompetent this Cowboys defense. Y'all were showing up and, 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 and and um and being like hungry looking guys like oh we them boys we're gonna be ready we're going to the super bowl you got your asses beat by the cardinals so sit down shut the fuck up and stay back at the back at the line boys because guess what y'all lost to the freaking cardinals of all teams y'all should be ashamed of yourselves and are you still them boys because i sure don't think so and micah parsons calling out josh jobs to throw darts josh Dobbs in a response and he um and he was like dodging all them darts someone was throwing at him he said go cards <laughs> cowboys suck it i wish you uh, i would suck it cowboys fans sleep with this l and and you know what i have a spoiler on it. i think the patriots are gonna run over the cowboys <laughs> i hope so zeke it's a zeke revenge game it's the Zeke revenge game. Yes, it is. All right. I'm done with our extended punch minutes, but we had a <laughs> lot to get on our chest. We did. We did. Now, moving on to the Masala moment of the week. Uh, hopefully, we can keep this tight. So, for me, it's got to be when the Titans get the delay of game on the third and 12 on their own eight-yard line. Guess why? What? Because they have a running back and a tight end following Miles Garrett on any side that he moves to. Literally, if you watch that clip, Miles Garrett was moving from the left side of the D-line to the right side. And then you see a running back and a tight end moving, moving along Miles Garrett. And he was like, oh, I can waste the clock like this. So he continues to do that. And then the clock ticks down. Three, two, one, zero. And it oh stays at zero. And they God. get the delay of game on third and 12 on their own eight because Ryan Tannehill couldn't snap the ball because the running back and the tight end were walking in between. Oh, my God. Again, Miles Garrett, defensive Alexander the Great. That's it for me. Oh my God. Wow. Um, anyways, I had I, I wanted to talk about this one play. Of course, I wanted to talk about the DeAndre Swift. That's my Masala moment. But another one that I thought was really cool. The there was a punt return for a touchdown. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. With Texas and Jaguars. Yes. Yes. It, 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 this guy is a halfback. 255 pounds fullback from Tampa from nearby Tampa. He became the heaviest player in NFL history to return a kickoff or a touchdown. <laughs> you know, he was also a Broncos, Broncos oh, yeah. player last year. Oh my god. Yeah. So apparently he fumbled. So what he does, it's a kickoff after the um he he basically um fumbles the kick, 
picks up the ball, breaks five tackles, and outruns several defenders on his way to an 85-yard score. His first touchdown since his rookie year in 2019. Like, oh my God. What a what a moment for that kid. I'm happy for him. That's yep. all I got. All righty. Now that concludes week three recap. Oh boy. <laughs> that was boy. a recap. What a recap that was. So now we're gonna move on. Yeah to the preview of week four, starting with the Packers versus Lions, a special, special uh, little game because it is on Thursday night football. And funnily enough for us, both of the Packers divisional games against the Lions are on Thursday night football, one tomorrow and one on Thanksgiving. So that's a very interesting stat right there. Um, needless to say, here are some ways the Packers can win this game. One, run Aaron Jones for 40 times. I don't care how he gets the ball. He needs to touch the ball. Please, in his one game, in terms of all the scrimmage yards that he has had, so both rushing and receiving, he has had 11 touches. 127 yards, two touchdowns. So that is an average of 11.54 yards per touch. Dang. Right? A.J. Dillon, who I said has been regressing so far, and he's a supposed replacement for Jones, in his three games, he has had 43 touches for 132 yards. That is 3.06. So that is a nearly three, no, almost a four time drop, 4x drop in terms of AJ Dillon versus Aaron Jones. And zero touchdowns, by the way. AJ Dillon, three games, 43 touches, 132 yards. Aaron Jones, one game, 11 touches, 127 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones is so much more effective at running, finding gaps, exploiting holes, i.e. having good ball carrier vision, receiving, running routes, explosiveness, basically everything. He is a much, much better back. And he has to receive the ball this game. Plus, from the recap side, we also talked about how, in terms of running back usage for the Packers, they didn't really see Dylan used in any of the crunch time positions. Now, it's going to be tough if we focus on the running game because for the Lions, they're fifth in rushing DVOA and seventh in adjusted line yards allowed. Plus, they just shut down Bijan Robinson. Ooh. But... I believe in Lafleur and our O-line to at least make some space for Aaron Jones. He may not have a 100-yard game. He may have 60 yards, but that 60 yards is probably going to be more than the 25 that A.J. Dillon makes. And I'm sorry, but at this point, A.J. Dillon is just not that effective. Maybe he improves with Aaron Jones coming in and taking a lot of the heat off of him, but I don't know. It's like... AJ Dill it's not like he was tired or anything. It wasn't like the offensive line changed when AJ Dillon came in. 
he was making the mistakes. He was tripping into offensive linemen. He was not seeing the wide open holes that were there a couple of feet away from him. So really like just, just feed Aaron Jones. This is a clinical matchup for us. After this, we have a nice little break and then we can decide on how to improve AJ Dillon. But first for this divisional game against the other divisional leader, the lions, we, for us to win, have Aaron Jones get as many touches as he physically can. Also, we need to target Luke Musgrave heavily, especially continuing to move him in motion, mixing his positions from an inline wide tight end position to a slot position, especially against the Saints where you really see him being moved between those positions, especially if they run 11 personnel, he, he really has like those two types of positions there. So. This is because the Lions are 22nd in terms of DVOA against tight ends. So we can really exploit that position. Now, that being said, they are not chumps when it comes to Brian Branch and protecting the deep pass, especially to the right side of the field. They are 12th in DVOA against throws towards the deep right half of the field. Because Brian Branch has allowed a 64.7% completion percentage. And as you mentioned in your recap, was recently making a lot of plays. Especially mm -hmm. coming down in the run game. Brian yep. Branch, do not throw towards him. Because if he gets an interception this game off of Jordan Love. Oh boy. Twitter is about to run wild. There's going to be a lot of hate mail towards Brian Gutekunst. A lot of trolling from Lions fans to Packers fans. It's just unnecessary. So please do not throw towards uh, Brian Branch. Now, the last thing that they can do, from, especially from a defensive standpoint, is preventing Sam Laporta from demolishing the Packers defenders in the run game. Because he's a very physical blocker, but he's also athletic enough to be a nice pass catcher. And he, right now, has the most tight end receptions in three games in NFL history. Oh, they nice. also have a really good passing game. Oh, yeah. Right? With, uh, with their O-line being fifth best in adjusted sack rate. And, um, you know, eighth highest in terms of EPA per pass. So here are some ways that the Lions can win. Prevent the run game from controlling the time of possession because the Lions' D-line is great against the run, especially since the Packers run 11 personnel 61% of the time, and they run through the C-gap 38% of the time. So if you place Aiden Hutchinson in that position, rest assured that you know, that's going to stop our run game for a large portion of the time. Now, on your offensive side, do not allow Rashawn Gary to take control of your O-line because Green Bay ASR ranks 11th in adjusted sack rate. Now, your O-line is also 5th, so there is some leeway, but Rashawn Gary can single-handedly wreck the game, and Jared Goff is terrible under pressure this season. Like he always was. 
So he's going to throw some really bad passes if if you allow Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and others like Lucas Van Ness to take control here. So also find ways to scheme open Laporta. As we mentioned, he has the most receiving yards of for any tight end this year. And, you know, he has the most receiving uh, receptions for a tight end in three games in NFL history. So they're going to find ways to get Laporta open. And they're going to find ways to get the ball to Laporta, especially because our safety is very, very weak. And against the tight end, our DVOA is also not that great. I believe we are at... Um, let me check here. Ah, Eagles are dead last against tight ends. DVOA. Yeah. Yeah. And I was surprised that the Buccaneers didn't target us with the mm -hmm. with tight ends on that game. Mm -hmm. uh, the Packers are 12th, so not that bad, but, you know, still could be uh, a little bit better. So, yeah, um, really, really have Laporta uh, open. Um, so also force Jordan love with the, with the pressure rate from Aiden Hutchinson into deep off platform throws, because as you mentioned, uh, in the saints recap, he is deep accuracy is not good. He is completion percentage, I believe is like 64%. So very, very low. Um, that's not really the best. You know, if, if you look at, uh, yeah, Jordan Love is 34th in the league at 53.1% completion percentage. So he's and and his CPOE completion percentage over expected as 33rd, negative 8.2%. That's worse than Zach Wilson. So wow. Yes, Jordan Love is effective when he's accurate. So really you need to take advantage of of you know when jordan love is accurate the funny thing is he may not be accurate but he is explosive as hell he may not be accurate but he is third highest in epa per drop back he's mm -hmm. nearly creating a third of a point every time he drops back to throw so and and also the Packers scheme is targeting you know extremely heavily i believe our a dot is at 10.6 so that's average depth of target right so oh my goodness. that's that's more than miami so we re re we're really looking to throw deeper and deeper on every throw almost every throw so yeah, really force Love into making those deep off-platform throws like the Saints did. They got an interception. I think that's how you can win as the Lions is really having a lot of pressure uh, up front against Jordan Love and then making sure that he doesn't break contain, obviously. So that's how the Lions can win. And in the end, I do think the Lions win 21-20. Now the reason, one of the reasons why this the the Packers won last week is because the Saints would have won with the last minute field goal, but they didn't execute it well. Well, the Lions will, and they will beat the Packers, keeping the three game win streak against the Packers alive and pushing it to four. So unfortunately, I will end my rant on a down note. <laughs>
Oh, oh. Now your turn. Okay. Eagles. And by the way, this is going to be a very first thing, um, very special one for me because um, this will be my first home game at the link. That is right. I will be going to Lincoln Financial Field on October 1st to see the Eagles home game um, play against the Washington Commanders. I got to represent NFL Masala big time on this one. Um, other than that, it's going to be a tough NFC East matchup, regardless of the week three results. The NFC East plays each other hard, very hard. They will play stingy. Like the commanders will play their absolute best against the Eagles. They'll give us trouble. I mean, they beat, they beat us at home um, to snap that winning game streak. And we haven't forgotten. Eagles, we haven't forgot about it. I mean, they'll play hard unless you're the Cowboys and the Giants. That game is already decided. Eagles, so let's first look at the Eagles offense versus the commander's defense. Eagles offense is now 10th in offensive DVOA. Unfortunately, it's 17th in the pass, 5th in the rush. You're going up against a stingy and good commander's defense, which is 14th in defensive DVOA, 11th against the pass, but 22nd against the rush. So a couple of things that the Eagles offense needs to do. Um, they have to protect Hurts against the commander's front four defensive line, like in Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, J uh, Montez Sweat, and yes, Chase Young. That got, I mean, with even with Chase Young being, with Chase Young being healthy, he, they've been a menace so far. I mean, they, those four alone have provided 6.5 sacks um, out of three games this year. And, 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 and it's safe to say, like, it is just like they're they're an underrated defense. Jack Del Rio, what what he's done with this roster is incredible. They've gone more of a cover two, in which they have they're putting in their rookie Emmanuel Forbes and a capable backup in Benjamin St. Juice, who's a lengthy and heavier corner. And then of course Kendall Fuller, who's been a great shutdown. I think he nearly limited the Bills up. And if I can pull up Kendall Fuller. So, um, I mean, Kendall Fuller did get an interception that game, but but with him, it was a, I mean, although that game was a beatdown, like, um, Kendall Fuller had three passes defended and recorded his 15th career, and he had 15 interceptions. And he had defended three passes in his most in week three. And and um, Deron Payne had a tackle for a loss and pass defended, Bonte Sweat had a quarterback hit. Chase Young had a tackle for a loss. And but either but either way, like this defense should not be underestimated. And they've always, I mean, and I think about that Eagles loss against the commanders at home. What did the the um what Jack Del Rio was able to do was to bring in mix in a couple of blitzes, and there were some crazy plays in which one AJ Brown the when Jalen Hurts threw a deep, beautiful pass to AJ Brown, and unfortunately that got intercepted when St. Juice just snatched it out of it or Kendall Fuller. And then the second play when Hurts threw a deep shot to um to Quez Watkins. However, Watkins fumbled the ball after a, a great catch, and Benjamin St. Juice recovers it. And we all know what happens next. But it but one thing, but the but the key thing is. The Eagles have to work on that pass protection. 
it has to be a perfect game by this offense. And the best way you could go about it is by running the ball and stopping with the bad and by disciplined offense. I mean, enough of those bad penalties and they have to play discipline. Jalen Hurts, and for Jalen Hurts to limit those turnovers, I mean, he has thrown three picks in three games. And the best way to help out Jalen Hurts is to run through that defensive line. I'm th and like even though the Commanders have are twenty second against the rush, they've only and um, they did not. I mean, I, looking at DeAndre Swift, this is a game in which I think Eagles have to run through that commander that Commanders D line with DeAndre Swift. Do you think that's the best? Is that the best remedy? Just run through that defensive line because in this one. Yeah, because they're ranked 17th in ALY. And especially if you look at some of the de uh, deeper stats, um, against power success, they are 27th in the league. Um, and against, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, stuffing percentage, it's 28th. Yeah. Second level, they're also not that great. Um, they're 20th and 17th in second level in open field. So, you can run the football, especially with this Eagles O line. I think uh, yeah, hundred percent. And there's been, and I know, like um, it was reported during the game, Landon Dickerson was at, left out, and it was apparently with a knee contusion. But he said that he should be ready to play. But I think like the best way to help that O line is to run through. It's to just run the ball, and I think that will help Cam Jurg, the rookie guard Cam Jurgens. I mean, Jurgens who was drafted last year, but making his but um, having his technically rookie season because he's now playing. Um, and I mean, so far he's held up on his own, but against this defensive line in pain, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and Jonathan Allen, you, I think the best way is to, run, is to run the ball. Run through that defensive line. You open up those pass and let Swift eat and eat and eat. And then... I mean, and of course, my second, the second thing that the Eagles can do, brother, use the brotherly shove or the tush push. It's been undefeated so far. And I know like people, I know like um, that, that stupid piece of shit analyst and Chris Sims and that Bleacher Report. No, no, um, not Bleacher Report. Barstool's vice president, Stephen Veach or Stephen Bitch. Um, they said to hunt for Hertz. Well, guess what? They got the best whole line. Hurts is squatting 600 pounds. Do your best. Nick Sirianni said it himself. Find a way to stop it. And he'll still change it up. I mean, the commander's defense has allowed 4.8 yards per carry in 2023, which is the 27th in the NFL. And, but here's my, a little bit of concern. Like, of course, you want to take what the defense is giving you and better execution. Jalen Hurts, for the love of God, please stop throwing picks and take care of the damn ball. That's all I ask for you to do. And I can expect the commanders to go man coverage against the Eagles instead of cover two, because cover two, they got burned by Stefan Diggs. So I can expect Emmanuel Forbes to be paired up against Devontae Smith and Kendall Fuller going against AJ Brown. I think with their linebackers and Cody Bark and Jamin Davis and Kaliki Hudson, it's a really good, it's a really good trio, but I think this is where Dallas Goddard will get a little bit more involved. And I could also, and Anand, I have a hot take on this one. This could be another game in which Olamide Zacchaeus has another breakout game. 
He had two. Remember, he was targeted three times. He had two receptions for like 58 yards and a touchdown. That was more than Quez Watkins has had so far in the past couple of starts for him. And I think this could be another breakout game for Zacchaeus. So I'd say, say take the defense what gives you. And another thing, you have to win on the edge zone and convert. You got to score touchdowns at the red zone. That is the difference between a win and a loss. And play calling, Nick, you got to get that right. Hell, if it's a fourth and two at the red zone, what do you got to do on up? You tush push the crap out of it if you need to. They can't stop it. It's unstoppable. It works. And now the Eagle now switching over Eagles defense versus commander's offense. Eagles defense, they're 12th in defensive DVOA. Apparently, they're 25th against the pass, first against the rush. No doubt about that. You're going up against the commander's offense, which is 23rd against the um 23rd in offensive D, DVOA overall, 25th with the pass, 2015th in the rush. So this is something that we have to um Eagles defense needs to be an eye out needs to keep an eye out on however when the commanders had the ball like we have to the eagles have to get pressure on sam howell early the commanders have given in three games the commanders have given up 19 sacks so far but the first thing that they have to do is shut down the run game of the commanders because if we remember the command like the commander's rushing offense, it was that fluky game in which um, they had Taylor Heineke. They knew that they were not talented, so what did they do? They shortened the, the game by running the clock and running the ball more. They had four scoring drives in which um, it took off at least six minutes and 30 seconds. They were all scoring opportunities. Like, I remember the, one of their first drive, one of their early first drives, 13 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes, seven minutes, 21 seconds, touchdown, 12. 12 plays, 49 yards, 6 630 gone. Field goal, 16 plays, 86 yards, 7 minutes gone. Touchdown, 14 plays, 66 yards, 8 minutes gone, and a field goal. That took almost nearly half of the entire game, and they doubled up the Eagles in time of possession to win that. And they won that game. They played keep away from Jalen Hurts on that offense, and they won it. And they rightfully won that game. And in that game, Brian Robinson ran the ball for 20, ran 20, had 26 rushes and 86 yards on a touchdown. And um, that's when the Eagles run defense was like very questioned because the commanders rushed for 152 yards that game. And it wasn't dominant, but it was very, very effective. The commanders were able to win on third down. So I'm saying, with as I'm the Eagles, you have to win the first and second downs. They have Eagles have the necessary weapons to stop the run, especially with the defensive line and rotation and Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. With Jordan Davis on the field, I think they're able. I think like I, I could still see the um, I could still see the Commanders employ that same strate strategy, and then with Eric Bieniemy, they could try and do a little bit of razzle dazzle with Curtis Samuel. And um, and even Terry and Terry McLaurin, who who had like eight catches for twenty eight for one hundred twenty eight yards, um, in that in in that loss. And I think this is to be point in which the defense has to be perfect. And um, like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter has to be starting. Give rotations for Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams and the Eagles front. The linebackers have been playing pretty good, but I think with Logan Thomas coming back. 
that's another matchup that the commanders could exploit because you said that the Eagles were near last in DVOA and stopping tight ends. So I can imagine Sam Howell um, to make it to make it easier for Sam Howell. Eric Bieniemy will have him target um, some have some design plays in which he'll employ the running back screen games and tight end screen passes for Logan Thomas. And then take the shot to Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Those are really great threats. And but however, if I'm the Eagles, I would say attack that interior between Sadiq Charles and Sam Cosme, and especially their center, Nick Gates. He's been um he's been he's been okay, but right now the right guard. Like in either Andrew Wiley or Charles Leno. Andrew Wiley, I would say Hassan Reddick should go off against him. And then with the commander's offense, like the commanders, they gave away, they had the second most giveaways in the NFL right now with eight of them. Sam Howell has thrown five interceptions, one behind the league leader in, G in Jimmy Garoppolo. So, and they've also lost three fumbles. And, and apparently the culprit is Antonio Gibson. So if I'm the Eagles, just, Remember, don't discriminate when it comes to punching out the ball, but try and dislodge it if Gibson is the ball carrier. And I would imagine in this um in the in the commander's depth chart, if I'm seeing um Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas, I would imagine I would put the following. I would put, of course, put Darius Lee on Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, you gotta go James Bradbury or Josh Job. But if you're, but then based on situation, such unlike on on the situation, they could go into a nickel coverage in which Josh Job comes in. But then if Logan Thomas is there, your linebackers and Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow have to be on point, or the Eagles can bring in a third safety, which they're kind of limited right now because apparently Justin uh, Justin Evans is um, didn't practice with a neck injury and Sidney Brown with a hamstring. So I just hope hopefully that they're doing okay and they should be able to play because if so we're just left with Reed Blankenship and Terrell Edmonds and there'd be cases that we may need to put in a guy like Keely Ringo or Eli Riggs but I think this should be a game in which the Eagles should win they're favored heavily but the commanders play very tough I'm gonna be very cautious on this game and I say the Eagles win um 28 to 21 it's gonna be a very close game because the commanders will play stingy all righty so that is going to conclude our games of the week. And now we're going to move on to our Masala games of the week preview. We're going to try and wrap this up as soon as possible because it is getting late. For me, I'm going to pick the Ravens and the Browns. Um, and the reason why I've selected them is because I really want to see um, the Ravens try and improve with their offense. But I also want to see how exciting this Browns defense is because surprisingly, they have the number one defense so far in terms of DVOA this year. Damn. And it's not just one unit. They're number one against the pass and number two against the rush. And against the rush, their D-line is first in allowing just 2.66 adjusted line yards and 0% wow. on power success rate. Zero. Number one Damn. in the league. So not only are they excellent against the run, their front seven and their D-line, their pass defense is fantastic. Overall, in, ter in terms of overall pass defense, they're fourth against wide receiver one, 
third against wide receiver number two, sixth against wide receiver three, second against the tight end, and Ooh. eighth against the running back. So they have a top 10 pass defense unit in terms of targeting each of the offensive weapons. And then their secondary unit is legit a top two or three secondary unit. Denzel Ward, fourth in pass breakups in the league right now. Martin Emerson, who is a slot corner for them, is second in completion percentage allowed. Rodney McLeod, I'm sure you remember this. Ex-Eagle, Rodney McLeod. He is and third. he fits well in the Jim Shorts defense. He won mm -hmm. a ring under Jim Shorts. Mm -hmm. He is third in completion percentage allowed. Grant Delpit, sixth best passer rating allowed. So you see the Browns have such a fantastic defense, all led by Miles Garrett. And if you want to look at adjusted sack rate, guess who is the best? Um, in terms of defense, right? It is surprisingly the Bills or the Browns are ninth in adjusted sack rate. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm gonna uh, well, I'm gonna remove that. Um, but yeah, so the Browns have legitimately a top, you know, they are the the best defense right now. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to face against, you know, this Ravens offense, which is kind of the same as before. I mean, somehow Lamar Jackson is holding it all together. He, he himself is seventh in completion percentage over expected 16th in EPA per drop back. And their passing scheme is not is still not helping that much, even though they brought in Todd Munkin, who's supposed to revolutionize their offensive scheme. They're still 24th in ADOT, which means they're not really targeting that deep. They're still at 55 to 44% pass-to-run ratio. They're still you know, heavily working on the run. So it's not like they're completely revolutionizing the pass game. They're still 18th in EPA per pass. And then if you look at the run game, he's doing it all in the run game too. He is their leading rusher. He is also the 13th highest rusher in the league with 193 yards. He's also 15th highest in terms of QB rush DVOA. He's the third most in terms of QB rush DYAR. It's basically last year's offense yet again. And now they're going up against a pass defense, which is the best in the league, right? They are allowing a negative 0.49 points uh, EPA per pass, which means at every any pass, the Browns are supposed to walk away with half a point, and they're supposed wow. to steal half a point away from you. And against the rush, it's not like they're that much worse. It's minus... Um, Minus uh, 0.32, which is the third best in the league. The Eagles are the best at minus 0.45. So they are, this is a buzzsaw that the Ravens are going to be walking into. And I really, really hope for the Ravens' sake that they can figure out um, a good offensive formula. Because right now, they're bang on average. 
17th, 18th in the league EPA per uh, per pass. And then per rush, they're not they're fifth in the league. So like it's the same as last year. Focus on the running game, passing game is meh. And one of the reasons why injuries. Oh yeah. Here are all of the Ravens' current injuries as of three days ago. And then I'm going to pull up the updated depth chart. Oh, so as of three days ago, on the offensive side, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. So that's three, <coughs> three of their running backs. Uh, then the fourth running back, uh, Keyshawn Mitchell, I believe. Where is oh yeah, uh Keaton Mitchell, then wide receivers, OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, center, Tyler Linderbaum, offensive guard, Andrew Voorhees, left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, their long snapper, Nick Moore. How the hell does a long snapper get hurt? I have no idea, bro. And then on the defensive side, Marlon Humphrey, Demarion Williams, Trayvon Mullen, all cornerback safeties. Marcus Williams, Ardarius Washington, linebackers, Odafe Owe, David Ojabo, Malik Ham, Tyus Bowser. That was all three, four days ago. If you still look at their depth chart, they're still listed as questionable. Gus Edwards is the only one who's not listed questionable. Justice Hill is questionable. Keaton Mitchell, IR. J.K. Dobbins, IR. OBJ, questionable. Rashad Bateman, questionable. Tylen Wallace, IR. Ronnie Stanley, questionable. Tyler Lindemann, questionable. Andrew Voorhees is now out. So they have Kevin Zeitler and Ben Cleveland Morgan, uh, backing them up. Odafe Oe, questionable. David Ojabo, questionable. Kyle Hamilton, questionable. What? Marcus Williams, questionable. Marlon Humphrey, questionable. So that's their top two safeties are questionable. They only have one more safety on their depth chart. The Ravens are cursed, man. They are cursed with the injuries. Almost I.S. Bowser's out. So, like, yeah, go ahead. No, like, the Ravens are cursed with injuries. That's yeah. all I can say. It's, 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 uh, I, yeah. Like, Hamilton just was listed questionable with the biceps injury. He sat out Baltimore's practice on Wednesday, September 27th. So, today was, today is September 27th, uh, Wednesday, and they updated it. So, we'll see, hopefully, by Thursday. Uh, <clears throat> Saturday and Sunday, the news gets better for them because if not, it's going to be a defensive slugfest. I mean, the Browns are going to win 17 to 13. That's that's what I predict. Because right now, the, the Ravens' defense is also not that bad. Right? They're only allowing... Um, they're 25th in... Uh, sorry. They're 7th in the league in terms of <clears throat> um, defensive EPA per play. Uh, sorry, eighth in the league. And then if you look at per pass, they're uh, seventh in the league. And then per rush, they're also not that far behind. They're kind of in the middle of the pack at that point. But yeah, they have a pretty stingy defense. So really, and, and then obviously for the Browns, you're without Nick Chubb. So you're going to have Jerome Ford uh, coming in. And so... Um. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a defensive run slugfest. So, yeah, I believe the Browns are gonna win seventeen thirteen. Yep, not surprised by that. And here's my game of the week. 
Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Dolphins versus Bills. Oh, it's going to be epic. The unstoppable force that is the Dolphins offense against an improving immovable object that is the Bills defense. This is going to be a huge AFC East battle. And I'm going to say it's a slight preview of a potential playoff game. Dolphins offense. They put that 70 burger, or how did Brandon Perna call it? A 70 steamer against. Mm -hmm. and, and they put up the dog. This is the same Dolphins offense that put up the 70 burger against a Bills defense that forced five turnovers, four picks, and a fumble. This is going to be. Uh, this is going to be a. I think I, I just want to talk about like Bills defense against the buck against the Dolphins offense, man. Like mm -hmm. you could go into so many different matchups, and you're still not going to have an idea who is going to be the clear winner of this game. All I can tell you is this. Well, all I can tell you is this. Guess what? Tua is getting um a Jalen Waddle back. Yeah. They scored 70 points without Jalen Waddle. I mean, I don't think I need to explain this further. Like, Dolphins, they remember, they're number one in pass and rush and DVOA. And total offensive DVOA. They're number one. And by the way, Tua has been pressured at the lowest rate. 21.2% of his dropbacks, he's only been sacked one time. And he's also thrown the quickest with 2.36, according to NFL stats. 2.36 seconds left to throw. No, it, take, it takes 2.3 seconds for him to throw the ball. That's about it. That's the quickest. Like, mm -hmm. that is just insane. And and, and, and if I want to look at, like, receiving stats. Like, Tyreek Hill, three games he's played, and he's had 412 yards. Yep. That is he, is the, he is the best in terms of... Uh individual wide receiving performance dyar he's number one and 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 you know jalen waddle did not play this game but you know what he had um two games he's played he's had 164 yards mm -hmm. i mean if you were like honestly this is good this season i'm gonna say this it's going to be a boat race between who gets the most receiving yards jalen waller or tyreek hill and I'm going to say Jalen Waddle will beat Tyreek Hill for that. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill has a long head start here. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, bear, like bearing special games. Like, Tua decides to, like, say, hey, he's in, they're not stopping Waddle, so I'll just throw it to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basically, there, there'll be games in which uh, Tua will be like, oh, like, screw it, Waddle's out there or Hill's out there, and he'll throw it long, right? You know? I'm referring to these types of plays, right? The yeah. F that someone's out there playing. However, yeah. they're facing up against the Bills defense. They've stepped up with great back-to-back -back defensive performances. I mean, although it was against the Raiders and the Commanders, they're entering as a second as the second defensive DVOA overall. Third against the pass, 14th against the rush, which is interesting to say the least. Don't you agree? It's mm -hmm. interesting that they say that. And um of course, and I mean, like they—they've had the highest QB pressure rating. They—they pressured in fifty point six percent of dropbacks, and they had nine sacks last week, which is just insane. And this is a but remember they are um, but this is the same Bills defense 
that is 22nd um, in DVOA. In the, um, one, one second. Uh, yeah, they are 14th against the rush, which is not bad because most, I mean, however, in, if you're looking for like the Bills defense overall, they're uh, sixth against the rush. They're sixth. Oh, they're sixth against the rush. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're second against the pass and sixth against the rush. Okay. Yeah. I think no, I was looking that up um on the on FTN fantasy when I had third against the pass and 14th against the rush. Or it could have been something else. But yeah. But apparently the Bills, they have a tall task ahead. First, they gotta stop the run because fourth, mm -hmm. I mean, even though they're like in the middle of the pack, oh boy. I mean, good luck stopping a Shane and Raheem Mostert. Like yeah, the Eagles have the third best adjusted line yards allowed uh, statistic at five point zero five yards, and then RB yards six point nine nine. That's the Eagles. So nearly right? seven. No, that's, that's the, the Dolphins. Dolphins. Oh my God! They're nearly running seven yards a carry. It, it, it's it's I don't know, man. This Bills defense is good though, but it's but. I don't see them stopping the run in this game. Mm -hmm. It is a matter of like good luck and yeah. see if you can try and get stops or hold them into a field goal, which I highly doubt will happen. Right. And, I, and I, one of the things that, that, that makes Mike McDaniel so clever is that they run motion 80% of the time that they're in a shotgun formation or something, yeah. uh, something of that nature. I, I might be misquoting this statistic, but it, it Mina Kimes was mentioning this on a podcast where they were going through and breaking down the, the uh, Dolphins offense. And they were saying like during in the run, you don't know if they're going to run or pass because they're in 11, pers uh, 11 personnel most of the time. And they're like killing teams. Like they're killing defenses just like that. Yeah. They, yeah, no, no, they run just, 21 no. personnel. Sorry, 21 personnel, 60, uh, 61% of the time. So two running backs, one tight end. So oh, perfect. You're going to pass or you're going to run? Oh, pick your poison. It's yeah. literally a pick your poison type of thing. And, and yeah, and, and, and they run 54. They run passing plays 54% of the time, running plays 45% of the time. Okay, definitely. And I mean, like, and, and according, and looking at the Bills defense, like, they've allowed like 400, they, so far they've allowed 427 yards of passing, 142.3 yards per game, which I think is okay, but good luck. I, but that's not going to be enough against the weapons of like Tyreek Hill and um, Jalen Waddle. I, 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 I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, Honestly, it's going to be too much for the likes of um, Tredavious White and Christian Bedford. They've had, I mean, um, although like Terry McLaurin had a good game against against like White and Bedford, it was, I mean, the, the only way the Bills were able to get those turnovers and those sacks is because of that defensive line attacking. The Bills have to bring in the house, but it is going to be impossible because Tua throws the ball really, really short. You have to bank on your linebackers getting the proper man-to-man -man matchups. I mean, this is like a game in which Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, and Dorian Williams, and even Leonard Floyd, they have to be on point. I don't know Vaughn Miller's coming back, but also, yeah, Tredavious White, Christian Bedford, they got to match up. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, this is going to be a tall order, man. I doubt the – you know what? 
I don't think the Bills are going to record a sack in this game. I don't think they're going to pull it off because Miami's going to run all that motion. But the way that the Bills can win this game, remember, like this is the Dolphins' defense. You're 24th in defensive overall in DVOA, 20th against the pass, 24th against the rush. The Bills are seventh in offensive DVOA overall, 12th in the pass, 12th and the seventh in the rush. The Bills' offense is behind Miami in overall rankings, according to NFL stats. They've been averaging 30.33 points per game. The Dolphins' defense is only allowing 23.7 points per game, which is 21st. They've allowed, like, so far 361.3 total yards per game, which is 23rd. The Bills are averaging almost, like, 383 total yards per game, which is 7th, 51.2% in third down conversions, which is number one, and 53.3% scoring in drives, which is fourth. And they are, uh, have a time of possession with about 35.45, 35 minutes, 45 seconds, which is third overall. So this is a game in which Ken Dorsey, the Bills offensive coordinator, needs to keep the game plan simple as well as innovate against a defense like Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio is known to be very, very aggressive. Why? I know this because we got a, a, his disciple, Sean Desai. And I think this is a game in which Josh Allen has to be smart. You run the ball through James Cook and eat up that time possession. If you are able to do that, take those long drives, make it 10, 15, like set six or seven minutes, take as much time off the clock, and you score touchdowns, you're able to win games. You limit that time of possession and the amount of clock enough for Tua to make a throw. Of course, they may throw in like, what, 10 or 15 seconds and they'll score easily. But if the Bills, if Josh Allen does not turn over the ball and they're able to execute on offense properly, that's the best kind of defense that they can run up. But Anand, before I give you my prediction, what is your prediction for this game? Or was everything that I said good enough for the Bills to warrant a win against this, against the Dolphins' defense? I don't know. I, I just don't think they have enough of an idea on how to stop the Dolphins. Like the, this offense is historically explosive, right? Historically explosive. So it's going to be tough. But I just unless the Bills' offense can. Now, the Bills do run the ball well, so um, they are actually better at running the football than Miami is. But um, I, just, I just don't think it would be enough because I don't think they're in a position where their offense is that explosive and Josh Allen is that much better than Tua. So I just think the Dolphins are going to win probably by like a touchdown. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very close game and fun game. And I, uh, I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen, that I did not talk about the Dolphins defense, but they're playing really, their secondary has been pray, playing pretty well without, um, oh, who was it? Oh, yeah. That, Jalen, that's Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. They've been playing well without Jalen Ramsey. I don't think they'll need him this season, the way that they're playing. And, and I mean, it's, it's just insane. And, and, and again, it all goes back to Vic Fangio. How he's developed this defense, like going basic three four. Bradley Chubb, Bradley Chubb is playing, and Xavier Howard is going all out. Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis. Do I need to explain even more? Hell, I think my boy from Texas Tech, Eric Exukama, may get a touchdown in this game. 
because it's going to be so damn close. And I'm going to say this. It's going to be a show, shootout, but even though the game is going to be played in Buffalo, Miami is going to win it by running the ball. They win this game 34 to 27. Last minute touchdown. Miami's going to drive the just drive the field and score it. All righty. So that is going to conclude the Masala games of the week for us. Um, and that's actually going to conclude the episode for today. So if you guys have enjoyed it, please send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com. Spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. Or uh, leave us a review at one of the four podcast platforms that we host this podcast on. Apple, Spotify, Google, and Pocket Cast. Or Rakshak, what can they do? They can also find us on our Instagram page, which is at NFLMASALA2022. That is NFLMASALA2022, all lowercase. And then you can also follow us on Twitter or X at the same handle at NFLMASALA2022. And now we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, Eagles, fly, and the Cowboys suck. What can <laughs> go wrong will, will go wrong. wrong. Take care, everybody. And good night.